exactly. Now it's on the record. Now everything is viewable by people. Right. So, well, it's know. like that thing where it's like a talk show, and then they kind of do the fade in, where you're like, oh, they were, they were already here. They were already well, they having were talking, a conversation. Like the, the host is talking, and then he turns, and it's just, Hi. It, the curtain <laughs> is raising on uh, on life in progress, in motion. And and today, that includes Mr. Nick Mutton. Yeah, How's it going? Nick's here. Good. Right I like the background. Like, you know, it almost looks like you have a bunch of baby tubs behind you. Oh, yeah, I do. That's that's. What am I doing? Screw my computer up. Uh oh. Well, uh, <laughs> it's always hard because like, I put the cameras like in between. I have two huge monitors. The yeah, cameras right in between. But if everybody's talking on the left monitor, I tend to myself always looking this way. Look that way. I'm yeah. Out. So I'm trying to like split it so one of these on one monitor, one's on the other, and I'm just looking down the middle. But it's not wanting to. It doesn't, it's and fighting I'm me. Technologically, yeah. pretty technologically challenged, anyway. So, Lucas well, doesn't say that at all. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> we are back. I say for, it lovingly, lovingly, <laughs> with, with much love. Uh, we're back for carpets and coffee. Uh, we're just going to do a, a night tonight with Nick. Just hang out, shoot the shit about you know carpets and coffee. Tends to work out. Uh, those wondering where Eric's at, he's dealing with some family stuff. And uh, we'll probably be back uh, maybe next week. So we'll figure it out from there. But until then, um, I am in control of this ship. God damn it. <laughs> and I will run it into the ground if I damn well please. So um, before we get started with we have to do the coffee part of it. I brought yes. this back from Scotland. I don't ooh, know if you can see. Ooh, a little closer to the camera. This is whiskey, whiskey aged coffee. And ooh. it. I guess putting coffee beans in a whiskey barrel does something to them. It tastes kind of whiskey-like. This is like having an alcoholic coffee without, I guess, having the problems of an alcoholic coffee. Yeah, exactly. It's like not, not drinking. All the taste, none of the alcohol. So um, that is pretty much what I had. I had a little bit this morning. I got this is I got a box for Eric. So this is his box. Mine is open downstairs. Very nice. Um, and it tasted like I describe it. Whiskey coffee, like it, right. pretty that's much what awesome. it was. Very they, cool. They, as advertised. So that's what I had this morning. I'm not having it right now because it's six o'clock at night, and I'm an old man, and would be up till three in the morning. So amateur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, well, I'm and I brewed a whole special pot just for this. <laughs> it's three. That's still in coffee range. You know. What, what are you drinking, Lucas? Well, this morning, well, currently I'm drinking green tea. It's my my Chinese side is coming through for the afternoons. But in the morning, I had uh, a light roast uh, from Pete's Coffee, which is a staple here. I've talked about it on the show many times. Bay Area original. Um, Cafe Luminoso or something like that is what they call it. But I really like the light roast. You know, you get a little bit more of that caffeine that didn't get burned off during the roasting process. Get a little bit more of those citrusy tones, a little bit of fruitiness, and it gets me freaking jacked. So that's what I had. I had about four cups of that. <laughs> Lucas freaking oh, oh, yeah. jacked is like a little <laughs> tiny dog jumping up and down and barking. What are you? <laughs> like <it's> a... <laughs> are you kidding me? I do uh, in the morning because it's got more caffeine. I usually drink white coffee because I'm oh. old. And it's the only thing that keeps me moving. So I, I, every is, morning it's like four cups of white coffee a whole small pot what is white coffee usually, i've never heard of this 
It's the lightest possible roast ever. It's like so light that if it sits in the pot for like two hours, it turns green. I'm it's pretty sure that's brown. what they call it when they press cocaine into the shape of coffee beans. Yeah, the grounds are not even brown. The grounds are kind of an ivory colored. It just looks like almost a raw coffee. I'm going to try a lot this. Of caffeine in it, but it's, it's actually really smooth, too, because it's not, you know, the darker the roast, the more kind of tears up my stomach and stuff. So it's ah. the morning with that, usually four cups, four cups Agreed. of white coffee, then mixed with a, a scoop of protein powder, some almond milk, and I'll make like a, the beauty of like vanilla protein powder is it gives like body and volume to the coffee. It actually works out really well. So it's like a creamier. It's like the whole latte. What? The whole yeah. latte. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to be 51 in a couple of weeks. You know how hard it is to eat 250 grams of protein a day and you only eat 1800 calories and you're my age. It's a challenge. So I, I mean, that is pretty good. To like, get it into your damn coffee. I'm impressed. <laughs> Actually, no, it totally works. The only thing is the learning curve is, you can't pour hot coffee into you can't pour protein powder into hot coffee. It won't emulsify. It'll clump up. So you have to like mm. I make a, the protein in my coffee cup using a hand blender. Get that really really already emulsified into there into the almond milk, and then I'll add the coffee into it after the fact. And that okay. way, it stays, keeps the consistency right. So it's but it not like body and viscosity. It's yeah. art and science mixed into one somehow. So I, get it's all of, I get 30 <laughs> grams of protein and only 120 calories in my coffee. So. And if we're talking four cups of white coffee, what do you think? Like 250, 300 milligrams of caffeine? <laughs> yeah, which would mean I've had 900 milligrams before the pot. I've just, no, more than that. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had, I had four cups of white coffee, drank all that. But Jesus. <laughs> that was before I went to the gym at 7.30 in the morning, and which I drank a double scoop of pre-workout, which is, I think, 250 milligrams of caffeine per scoop. So it's only 500 milligrams. Then I got home and had an energy drink, but I only drank about half of it because I realized I needed to make this coffee for this show. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to be like 1,800 milligrams of caffeine today or something insane. Are you are you going with the pre workout? Are you just slurping that down dry these days? Or no, <laughs> no, it's hard enough just... to drink it with water. It makes it. <laughs> I'm not that hardcore, geez. <laughs> but, uh, so for today, I brought out. I was cleaning my cupboard out looking for some condiment, just some weird sugar free condiment or other, and I found some coffee that I forgot I even had. I thought it was gone. I found a little bit of it left, so I'll be enjoying out of my favorite Death Star coffee mug. Yeah. Uh, uh, the last of a, of a, of a uh, bag of Kopi Luwak, which I don't know if you know what Kopi Luwak is. Civet. Unfortunately, yeah. I do. Yeah, but let's, let's, yeah. let's walk yeah. through it for the people. Oh, my God. Civet shit coffee. <laughs> but it's like the smoothest thing ever because it was pre-digested. Before being, <laughs> literally, it was pre-digested before being shit out and then ground up. So <laughs> It makes it so much better. So I just want to be abundantly clear for our listeners. During the entirety of this episode, you will, in fact, be full of shit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess technically, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Finally, answers. <laughs> Something I've often been accused of anyway, but it quite literally <laughs> never been more true than today anyway. Well, that's, it's that's incredible. Good. It's good. So for the people that don't know, right, so th- there's the civet. It eats the fruit. It eats the berries. Mm. And then people collect the droppings and find the berries still intact 
And then what happens after that? Is there still just a standard roasting process? Do they have to chemically treat it? Wash it and stuff. But uh, (laughs) yeah, basically the the civet can't really digest the actual bean. It digests all the other goodies, and presumably their digestive uh, liquids and such penetrate into it, and you end up with a coffee that is like super smooth. It's Mm. like the smoothest thing you ever had. But it's literally somebody picking up turds out of the forest floor and grinding them up. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I Life mean, short. you got to try these things. You do. You know, you, every once in a while, you got to eat the guinea pig. You know, it's, yeah. I've done that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I have eaten, wherever you go, wherever you're, you got to eat the weird thing. Yeah. Right. How, many, uh, how much protein from an ounce of guinea pig? I mean, I don't know. Big. Honestly, it tasted pretty good, but it was just tons of tiny little bones. It was totally <laughs> worth it. It's like a fish. It was, and they served it on this big bed of like fried potatoes and peas, but it's still in its face and its hands and it's huh. looking at you. It's all just like kind of like sitting there fried on <laughs> potatoes. It's so much worse. Weird your food looking at you. No, no. That, Out of the corner of your ear, you just hear. It's like a lot of little tiny bones. And <laughs> yes. I don't know. It tasted good, but it was, it was a lot more work. I wouldn't. I mean, it doesn't, it's yeah. impractical. Uh, yeah, you, you got to do it, and then you say you did it. Like, when we were in Scotland, I had the haggis. You got to have the haggis, it's, which is ha- revolting. It's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. Like, I'd rather eat this civet shit coffee than the haggis. <laughs> but but I can say I did it. Terrible. <laughs> but, yeah. But it's like, just like rattling off what's in what haggis is, is just like the what in the hell. <laughs> and they're like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have it ever. I'm like, stop. Like, I'm doesn't telling you, though, me. I've never been to Scotland, but if I do, I will 100% be seeking out the haggis. Like, they will, it will find you. We went to a place. <laughs> it'll find and, you. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, we went to a place. It was on every menu for breakfast. And then we went to Edinburgh and they had a food truck that was serving haggis. And I'm like, I, I don't trust haggis. Now you're telling me to trust haggis out of a food truck? Like, it's even more. Like, I didn't know there were layers. Well, I mean, having been to Philadelphia a few times now, been up in your guys' neck of the woods, I mean, how is that fundamentally much different than Scrapple? Good. (laughs) Which is just like, you know, lips and assholes ground up anyway. I I mean, mean, yeah. Scrapple is where the animals would never buy or eat in a million years ground up together into sausage. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically American haggis. Yeah, pretty much. American haggis. You got to try that stuff. People have <laughs> broad their horizons. It, well, it can't be any worse than the you know fermented shark in Iceland or anything. Yes, yes, that's right. Which is also I've eaten and it is horrendous. It is impossible to almost impossible to make yourself swallow it. Like your body is just <laughs> your body's like no. Every time in my life, like I've actually had a, a disagreement where my mouth and my brain were arguing with each other. It's like swallow it. It's like fuck you. I'm not no. It's, crazy. Like, it. it's just like, those, tastes uh... like like really super fishy jello. No. Which is disgusting in and I'm of itself. Off. Yeah. But then right before you're about to swallow it, you get hit with this blast of ammonia. Literally of ammonia, and it's just like in your brain's like, nope, we're not nope. swallowing this. No way, no way. And you're like, you just gotta make yourself swallow it. It's just, but self-preservation. Trying it. Yep. Horrible. So I, I mean, that's that's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Nick, you know, anyway, <laughs> you've uh, you've been on carpets and coffee twice now. This is the second time. But I think the first time I think you weren't aware that this was a program <laughs> that talked about coffee. Right. And so I'm, I'm jazzed that we're hitting on it because 
you told me the other day you said i was you're you're listening to carpets and coffee and you're like what the hell man i love coffee and but and i was like yeah but you were on like we did this <laughs> so, so now that we have the chance mm. What are your preferred methods of brew? Uh, regardless of the bean, I don't know if you do a different type of process for the white versus the civet shit versus like a normal, but like, how are we making our cup? I mean, partly out of laziness, but I'm basically just using a basic drip coffee maker. Like I got the, okay. I got divorced. When I was like 42. So I bought like this little tiny, like the, the lonely guy coffee for one coffee maker. It's like this big. It's just the saddest thing you ever saw. I don't have any friends. I only need this tiny coffee pot. Like I'm just rocking that and I drink the whole damn thing like every day. The only thing that makes life worth living. Eric, um, when we last time we went out herping or they they went out, he, he, they weren't able to find coffee, so he literally bought himself a travel French press like thermos <laughs> that you can just like make coffee. Like he could be in the middle of the bush and he can still make coffee, and that's. That's how I gave up on the French press in that I've tried numerous times and I've never once been able to drink coffee out of a French, the French press where I didn't get coffee grounds on the coffee like a hundred percent of the time. And to me, like drinking your coffee and then you hit a coffee ground is like eating eggs and hitting a bit of eggshell or something yes. like, or a shrimp tail in your dinner. It's like, Oh, it just everything totally stops takes me out of the zone and grosses me out. I don't know why it makes no sense. I'm literally drinking poo. Yeah, that doesn't gross me out but if i hit a ground in there that's it whole thing's gone yeah (laughs) well regardless of the method of course we always think that you should be pouring out carpets and coffee blend that's right that's right so listeners of the program you hear it every week but nick the cold-blooded caffeine is a fantastic company which combines the passion of coffee and, and the love of herps. Yeah. In fact, for every bag sold, there's a donation to either US Arc or on the ground conservation efforts, depending on the blend you purchase. I feel like I should support that business. Yeah, ours is a. You could probably get a, an inland reptile blend. Mm. <laughs> Hit them <laughs> up. Like a, Tell them you got to like get the white coffee. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's a light breakfast roast, but with, a, with notes of sarcasm and. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Bring instructions. Add at least two scoops of protein and don't be a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Does it mix well with whey protein? <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, they, they do what they did a Papua New Guinea blend for us, and it's very good. It's good, warm and cold. So, Great coffee. Because yeah. I prefer the cold brew. So and it, you know, it, it's it's a natural uh, combination of, of passions. A lot of the places where these beans are grown are some of the same places where some of the most amazing animals live. And, you know, if you love your beans and love the animals that live there, just uh, knock two birds out with one with, with one stone or coffee bean, depending <laughs> on what you have to throw. <laughs> no. All right. All right. <laughs> so. Yep. <laughs> So now that that's over with, now that I that's guess, over with, now that's gone. Yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about, Coffee Nick? <laughs> yeah, good, cool. So Perfect. I guess we'll just kind of talk about the current events, reptiles, and crap like that. So um, <laughs> with yeah. with my stuff, I kind of feel like I am 
still like now my guys are starting to this year's stock is starting to get big enough that people are actually starting to take notice. Of course, now it's like winter time and people are like, can I have that white lip ship to California for free? So that seems to be a constant thing going on right now, but I'm also getting back into the shows. So um, definitely kind of trending that way when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It seems like we're right back at it. It's, it's freaking November, you know, it on east coast it's time to start cooling stuff down it's going to start getting into breeding mode so it's like it never stops and of course i'm saying this for you it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) and like i I see friends posting pictures of snakes locked up i'm like i haven't even why would you do this early consideration to starting to cycle things yes i feel attacked Every year, I'm like, every year it seems like I'm later and later and later. And there's going to be a point where I just miss in a year entirely. I will no longer be, I will stop being late for one year. I will become as early for the following year and a whole season will be gone. All right. There are years I don't even start cycling until January. Yeah. I mean, there's a question hmm. because I'm on your calendar, Nick, because my first breedings were with your snakes and it just made sense to like follow what you were already doing. So in terms of my cooling, I'm late, but sometimes if I have like a storm system come through, I'll pair them early and I've had snakes locking up in but, the last couple of weeks. So the question for you guys, sorry, I'm sorry. You will let me finish. Locks. Never mind. <laughs> um, so the question is, is that a waste of time? Does it hurt the potential for breedings when the female might be more receptive or is it like a doesn't really matter let it happen maybe they'll retain sperm whatever Uh, in my experience those early breedings like that don't usually amount to much it does no harm but it doesn't really i mean it proves the pair is interested in each other so that's helpful you have a pair (laughs) like yeah i've never like i've never had something lock up way before you know I'm even, you know, way before that, the time I normally would pair them that resulted in a freaky early fertile clutch. It doesn't seem to make much difference. And that's just my experience. I'm sure there'll be, there's probably 27 people right now just getting ready to like fire off some nasty message about how they didn't do anything and they put it together in the middle of summer and they got a clutch. And that's probably true. But in my experience, I don't even bother trying. I mean, I'll put them together when I'm ready and I've done what I'm going to do. And I don't even, I don't even try. Um, so. It Got it. Matter. No more wasting my time. Owen was right. I mean, <laughs> some things that will matter. Like if you're breeding like non-seasonal, the few things that are non-seasonal breeders, like Amazon tree boas, they're pretty much non-seasonal. If you get a storm coming, you chuck them together any old time and they will yep. do it and they will, and you can get fertile, a litter out of it. So that's, mm-hmm. there are some animals that are, you know, uh, things like retics, you know, lately last few podcasts, it seemed like I've been beating up on the retic people a bit much. But, <laughs> Oh, feel free. Safe I mean, you know, do I do it I get all the time. But... <laughs> the funniest thing I've seen in the longest time was somebody posted a meme that said, retic keepers are the juggalos of herpetoculture. <laughs> I just, absolutely. I cannot stop laughing about that. That's <laughs> good. Retics um... are, by and large, mostly non-seasonal. So you could do that with retics and be just fine. Uh, I mean, I... some things are more seasonal. Working mostly with Australian stuff, which is definitely more seasonal. Yeah. Uh, more equatorial species through Indonesia and whatnot and Southeast Asia are less seasonal. So it mm. might well matter. I'm sure you could throw your short tail pythons together. And if they did it, you could probably get something out of them too. Yeah. I mean, I, I threw, um, I, I mean, I'll throw my 
bread lie together just because it's easier to cool them while they're together in the cages and stuff like that. And I'll get locks, but by the time I get eggs, if you count backwards, those locks are meaningless. Like it, there's no chance in hell. So, um, I don't know, but it, it doesn't hurt anything. Um, I'm still right in the beginnings of it because I had to pull, um, I had to pull my blackface white lips out of each other's mouths recently. So I'm like, it's, we're not cool enough yet for introductions of certain things. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like I, I will brumate the brittle pythons. I take them down to, you know, wherever my low temperature for the snake building is. And I take yep. them out of there and put them in this weird sort of no man's land between my snake building and my garage where it's all covered and it's, I can get as cold as I want to get. So I have a special rack. I built basically a hibernaculum and I'll brumate like a male with two females. If those are the two females, I'm going to put that male, right. male with. And I, I don't even look at them. Like I will just sit up there for a month and a half, almost two months. And I've even opened the freaking tub once <laughs> at those crazy low temperatures that water doesn't evaporate. They just kind of sit there. So I don't know. Are they breeding that time? I don't even bother to look. <laughs> it's like I'll see you guys in like six six weeks or whatever, and I'll pull them out and we'll start warming them up, and then worry about it. So it's possible they're breeding that whole time. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, it's crazy when I pull them out, warm up, and feed them though. Yeah, I mean, I, I drop my I've been dropping my olives and my white lips kind of lower too, but and I'll get locks out of them early too. But it just it based on when you get the eggs, it, they're meaningless. But again. Doesn't hurt just as long as not like right now you're not pulling the male out of the female's mouth and all that. Yeah, yeah. as you know, I also did did the same thing that you did, (laughs) but Womas. Yeah, Yeah, I don't. I don't do that. I just. I I don't. I miss it usually, and the female just kills the male. That's usually. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, it was. I was pretty much SOL for. Prothensis this year because the female ate the male, like killed him and literally ate him. Uh, did she make it? Yeah, oh yeah, she's such an evil, Man. nasty snake. That she, she can't die. Of, okay, uh, <laughs> she spit it back out like a week later, so that was gross. That is kind of worst case scenario when they try to eat each other and then they both so die. successfully ate each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> entirely successful. Uh, yes, I find that. Antresia prothensis are the most murdery of all pythons. Um, Which is so weird. They're so small. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have two. Ad- I have a pair of adults and then a few more I'm raising up that are almost ready to breed. But of the- I had five adults and the other three that died, none of them died of natural causes. All of them were murdered. <laughs> I've had, I had two other males. I've had three male, a female. I had a male kill a female, a male kill another male, a female eat a fe- eat a male. Like it just they just they they're the most murdery things. They're for tiny little snakes. They will straight up kill each other, eat each other. Something sounds, to that, no? Sounds horrible. <laughs> I don't know. Like I think it's probably like if you're a species that's an obligate reptile eater, they never even get large enough to really eat mammals. So you're always eating reptiles, okay. then the odds you're gonna eat enough well, look at who among the pythons, which ones are the most most likely to eat each other? The ones that are reptile eaters. Black-headed pythons, womas, popwin pythons. Popwins, yeah. Antaresia. I've had every species of antaresia. I've seen cannibalism in all of them. <laughs> Usually it's like yeah. neonatal cannibalism. Like you've got, oh, this clutch just hatched. And then one just immediately spotted python just eats the other one immediately. <laughs> uh, and so you go in there, like one super fat one that's all distended. And then it pukes and dies. And they both they pukes up with sibling and dies. I've seen it in all of them. 
This yeah. right here. This is why I don't want to do Antaresia. Everyone was asking. <laughs> this is it. Bad, I've only ever had the one. Well, with the pygmy pythons, they seem to be pretty murdery, but. <laughs> Just, you know, no. I've never had other outside of Prithenses. I've never had any of them eat each other when they're older. Okay, just but the I've younger had a ones lot that are... with them. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Well, I know last year you were able to finally get those albino olives, which was kind of one of those things. This year. This year. Oh yeah, you're right. It's still 2023. Yeah, it still is 20. We're close, you know. Yeah, so, no. Night close, but no cigar. But yes. Well, thank, thanks, Ellie. <clears throat> you're welcome. Um, so I know that for a while that was kind of the thing that was like the longest, <laughs> like <laughs> mountain, constantly trying to. We weren't allowed to, get to mention to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so with that well, being said, now that that's over, what's the new thing at the top of the list? Um. I have a goal in mind, so I've just got to bang some stuff out just to get across the finish line. But it's not like difficult things, really. But um, uh, when I got into the hobby and everything, one of the biggest inspirations to me and my kind of heroes was Dave and Tracy Parker. They had everything, bred everything. They're most successful python breeders probably that ever did it. Established new species in the hobby. They really did it all. And... I'm pretty close to passing them in the number of species I've bred. So my goal currently is to have bred more python species than the Barkers did. Okay. Which is not easy to do. <laughs> no. <laughs> I got to get so, it's like 32 species of python I will need to have bred. I'm close. I don't need to buy anything else. I just need to breed the stuff I already have. So, but there's things I don't even like. Like, I don't really like short tail pythons. <laughs> well, I yeah. Like, they're, a lot of them are nasty. And yeah. they like do that annoying thing where they, they eat and eat, 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 and never shit and never shit and never shit and never shit. And then Man. the tsunami of excrement. <laughs> the floodgates are open. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so gross. Yeah. yeah. It's like I, a Rottweiler snuck in and crafted in your tub. Yeah. And they got a pair of like, <laughs> negative reds and they're just the nastiest snakes i've ever owned i literally just hate them i just truly loathe that pair of snakes i just i just need to break down and just feed them a bunch so i can get them up to finish they're almost there it's like but I've, they've almost been ready to breed for a couple of years i just i didn't want to give them a rat because i hate them so much like it's <laughs> you want to get uh, the, get the clutch and then they're sold before the babies like i just want to cross pipped. them off the list i got a pair of borneos and yep. they're a lot better and i got a pair of some black sumatrans and i like them better but hmm. i don't i don't foresee working with any of them after i breed them once cross them off the list that's three easy species got to get those out of the way uh, yeah I should breed in the next couple of three years. I should probably cross off like six more species and then cross that threshold, which is you know, unimportant to anybody in the world, but me, you got to have a goal. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I mean, is there a species that's on the list that we would kind of be shocked that is there? Like, you know, is there something we should like, we expected that you would have already bred by now? Uh, there are a few things I should have bred a long time ago. I just mm. never did. Like, <laughs> like, I can't breed Sabu pythons. I've had... Oh, I can't do that either. Of them, and I just, like, one will die or or just, like, weird things will happen or won't breed. I just, like, I've never... I just had just horrible luck with that species. I currently have one male mm. and no female. I, I don't even... And now it's like, I don't know if I want to pay the money it would cost to get some. 
Yeah, they're 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 up there about nine hundred bucks a piece right now, or something like that. But they're nine hundred bucks a piece. How much should a Duns Python be? That's like a thousand times rarer than that. Like, and I don't, the I, thing, apparently, it, I've been underselling those quite quite a bit at the savage. I think yeah. so because I think there's like maybe two Dunai on Morph Market right now. One's an adult that has been, I think, kicking around forever. But they're probably both males. Yeah, yeah, I think they both are. But I think the male, the adult male, is like thirty five hundred. So I don't even, dude. I think half the time I think people I are the pulling, last ones they sold for like twenty five hundred a pair. What a dumbass! I right. Was <laughs> I think people are pulling prices out of their ass because I have my white lips that I matched Ryan with about a thousand a piece for the golds. And then I have somebody like eight hundred dollars for a wild caught one. And it's like, well, wait, like it's so right another, here. So I don't know. That, with the stuff out of Indonesia that could be collected in the wild and exported, it's a volatile sort of situation. You had right. like during COVID, you had two things happened. Indonesia cut way back on the number of animals being exported in that period of time, and then mm-hmm. everybody in in the United States was sitting on their ass not working and getting paid to not work and had all this time to look at the internet at snakes. And then it just drove the prices up on, you had increased demand, increased money in the hobby at the same exact time as a rapid decrease in availability. And so the prices just went through the freaking roof on any weird Python. Yep. And now like nobody's getting free money anymore. Reality set back in Indonesia is mostly back up to exporting you know, it's gone close to back to normal at this point. So you see, mm-hmm. I mean, I you'd see like thousand, twelve hundred bucks for a wild caught southern scrub python. I saw yeah. somebody. I hate that we use morph market as a barometer for everything, but we do. Yeah, uh, somebody was selling babies, wild caught baby southerns for two hundred and twenty five dollars. I mean, they were like, and they're not selling them for a loss, which means they got them that cheaply and could make a profit even at that price, which is getting back to right you know, old school numbers. Hmm. I don't know. Do you see I, that I as a like good thing? Or I almost feel like thing? it's going to course correct. Like exactly. Like eventually. I don't know. It's it's. I mean, it's it's always a bad thing if it's something I have for sale and a good right. thing if it's something I want to buy. I mean, right. it's like we're all hypocrites, right? <laughs> very very much it's, so. It's whatever it is. Like I all that weird stuff. I don't keep it because I'm gonna get rich quick and retire from breeding friggin' you know Angolan pythons or something. I like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I keep it because I want to keep it. And if the price is high, well, that's awesome when I have babies. And if the price is, you know, whatever, then it's whatever. I'm not going to stop. Right. I mean, I'd, I'd prefer the prices be through the ceiling on every single thing I breed, but it doesn't, doesn't really work out that way very often, right? Well, but everything's cyclical. Like, ring pythons bottomed out, and then slowly that's been creeping back up as that kind of goes. So eventually it'll come back around, I guess, as people stop breeding because like the price hits the basement and people stop breeding and then it creates the scarcity that drives the price back up. So that that happens. But what the hobby, the hobby, if you look at sort of the collective sort of zeitgeist, if you will, among Mm. in herpetoculture, uh, it is incredibly short-sighted and profoundly ignorant of a lot of things. (laughs) Like it's (laughs) people that what do most hobbyists do? They focus on what they want to do at that time. And God damn it, the repercussions don't matter. There's no consequences don't matter. It's what I want to do with my snakes right now. And they don't think about the longer term thing. Right. And for some things that, that, that isn't that important, but for a lot of things, rare things, it really is important. Like if you have a situation where you have a species or a species complex you're and you start mixing all all that shit together you're ruining the gene pool and in some cases that cannot be ever repaired look at retics it's an absolute and utter disgrace 
what the retail community has done to retail. It's fucking <laughs> disgraceful. And they're still doing it. Full steam ahead. How can we fuck up the gene pool even more, even faster? How about we make 88% dwarf-free ticks, 94%, so it looks just like something that it will never be again. <laughs> oh, but wait. Knowing full well that they will never be able to get another wild caught, they will never be able to fix the gene pool ever again. You will never get another wild retick. You will never be able to repair the damage. You'd think they'd pay attention. Nope. Full steam ahead. I was looking at you know, my old friend, I've known Michael Pinnell for 25 years, and he's got some progs, little dwarf firms. Yeah. I know he seems to be all down to just females because people buy up the males so they can hybridize them with their regular berm bullshit. They don't learn either. They learn nothing from the retic people. So, so wait, they're just trying to make dwarf berms of various it doesn't morphs work that and things? Way. It doesn't even work that way. It doesn't <laughs> work that way at all. Dwarf is not a morph. It's a different fucking species. A proxy is not a morph of Burmese python. It's not even a fucking Burmese python. It is another species in a complex, in a Muller's complex, but it is not a Burmese python. A dwarf, a, a Karampa retic is not a goddamn retic at all, full stop. It is a different snake that is related to retics in that complex. It is not a retic. You didn't make a dwarf retic, you made some mega mutt hybrid bullshit. That you can never fix. <laughs> so wait, I can't have a green labyrinth dwarf berm? What the oh hell? I've got Mega things. mutt I hybrid bullshit. Had a, I had that a, needs to be on a shirt. Can we get that? Well, oh Next to derpy herps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had a clutch of I had a clutch of nine Angolans this year. I really like Angolans. I like Angolans, yeah. For whatever reason, I've only produced them a couple times, and the first clutch was six females and no males. <laughs> And the second clutch, this last one, was two males and seven females, which is crazy odds on the females. Right. Better than it all being male, males. Right, 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 right. So I, I don't have any male. I had, I kept the male back because I realized that my adults are like 13 and 14 years old, respectively. I should probably keep something back. Yeah. So I kept back a trio, sold a pair, and I got like four females. And everybody <laughs> on Morph Market, I keep getting inquiries. And it's like, it's you can just tell. They're all like... How much does this weigh? It's like, I'm not even going to tell you. No, like, no. They must just think I'm an asshole. But I'm like, that's dumb. That's a ball python thing that is irrelevant to literally everything else. It doesn't matter. This is not a weird ball python with bumpy skin. How do I, I make an angry say, ball if you yeah. won't sell it to me? Yeah. It is much more closely related to a South African rock python than it is to a ball python. Man, but, no it, but they think it's like a ball python so that they, you know, Buy all these females and worry about the weight. If I get a breed to a ball python or something, yeah, they make the angry balls, <laughs> right? Isn't that? Wait, if I, they tell me they're doing that, I'm not. I'll refuse to sell it to them. I want to make the pastel angry ball python. No, <laughs> no you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Nobody wants that. Who wants that? Who's like really, really hot on that? It's like at least for as much problems as there are with the ball pythons, with the ball python market, and the mindset of ball python breeders, which gets talked about all the time. As fucked up as that is on a lot of levels, at least you don't have to worry about them being mutts too. You just yeah. have really genetic, you have just incredibly genetically broken <laughs> ball pythons, but they're still ball pythons. Like now we got to interject Angolan python in there. So now we can't even be sure it's a pure ball python on top of being genetically broken. Uh, like this is the short sightedness of the hobby. Right. I, I, I stumbled onto a Facebook group. It was just nothing about hybridization, like people trying to figure out how to hybridize stuff. And I, I'm going down and people are just like, I will take the blood python to the green tree python. And I'm like, what is the purpose of the offspring? Like, imagine what are we imagine trying the offspring. <laughs> <laughs> 
freaking toad on a stick. Only people that <laughs> want attention so badly that they'll just do stupid shit so people have to pay attention to them. Uh, I think the one yeah. was uh, Sanzinia well, to an, a yellow anaconda they were trying to do, and I'm like, I don't. Do you I, think I saw that... a thread just the other day, and they were talking about like because they already knew it had been done, breeding their Doomerals bow into a red tail bow, but they're asking for advice on doing that because they know it's already been done. It's like, uh, and, tra- and people are like, no, that's not even possible. It's like, oh, it's <laughs> possible. Their bow is it's totally possible. It's like it's like arguing that it, it's already been done, so it must be possible. It's like. And then even somebody tagged Warren, and Warren gets like, no, it is biologically impossible. <laughs> they don't even have the same sex chromosome. Like, the Madagascan boas are ZW, and all the other boas are XY. Over here, <laughs> exactly. It's, the same. it's absolutely not possible. And there's still one to argue. It, I, I can't imagine going through life as Warren, where it's just like looking around and be like, "No, that's not how any of this works." Like, oh I, God, I, I have enough of blinders on that I know it's not how that works, but I don't know the workings of why it doesn't work. And he does, and I think it would drive Warren, me insane. Warren's a good friend and a, a really patient soul. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't envy him because it's not like that. You get some of these dinglings. They want to argue it with Warren. It's like, do you? Are you serious? Like, what? Do you, Shut up. You, <laughs> like, what do you? I mean, I get it. They want to argue with me. I mean, who am I? But they're arguing <laughs> with a guy that runs the lab at a university. I'm pretty sure he knows what he's talking about here. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It seems uh, to me like it's it's all the hybrid stuff. Like it's a relic of putting too much value on worlds first and just being the one to do a thing. doesn't matter what it is, but you did a thing before everybody else. Detrimental. Why are you doing it? Right. Oh yeah. No, no. Hey, I agree. I'm not advocating for that. What they're really doing doing and saying is like, don't forget about me today. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, and and so what I was going to say is that, what what is a better thing to put up on the pedestal for people to try and achieve that would lead to better outcomes if it's not doing the first and being the world's first like what should people be striving for here in they the new era from a, from two generations of herpeticulture past when i got into the hobby a million years ago cuz i'm a geezer now but <laughs> when i got into the hobby like what was put up on a pedestal and what was like people a lot of not everybody of course but what many people aspired to and what was held in high regard is if you bred some rare thing some difficult thing to breed the first person to breed a new species for the first time in captivity or a rare species like people were trying to like you want to get some mad respect 25 years ago breed some timor pythons like oh man mm. like, now here we are now, 25 years later, and Timur Python still almost never get bred. Why? Because everybody's too busy doing trivial, stupid shit, and patting themselves or, on the back for it. Or crossing it's, them with retics. Well, just, oh, my God. Maybe just like kind of, just kind of vomit <laughs> in my mouth. He's like, oh, you have to warn me before you say that. Oh, it's my just... God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It, it, why? Why? It's... I don't I love them. I love mine as is. So. I don't mind my current pair of teamer pythons. I had them in the past and they were horrible. <laughs> they would just pee on everything. It was just it's like, are you a goddamn indigo snake or what is yeah. going on? They just couldn't wow. they could not abide a clean cage. Like <laughs> you'd clean it and back in those days, my old ones I kept them on paper, you know, for a substrate, and you'd water bowls clean says for disposable water bowls and papers all for everything's right, and then you're picking the snake up and gently putting it back in, and then immediately <laughs> 
as the tail passes over the water bowl, just it's like a fire hose. <laughs> and then you have to redo half of it. It's like really like every yep. time. My current ones are not quite so bad, so I, I, I is that a less. species on your list? What? Yeah, I need to breed them. Okay. They're a little bit tough. Yeah. In in some point, because that you know snakes that pee a lot is generally indicative of having a higher metabolic rate. Animals of a high metabolic rate are kind of harder to breed because you got to feed the crap out of them. Yep. Like the, just the normal maintenance, they need to eat more because they're burning calories at a higher rate because of that metabolic rate. And then if you want to get them into reproductive shape, like you got to just be hammering them with stuff. Yeah. To get them I, over I, the hump. And I'm not good at feeding snakes heavily. I am not. I'm slowly <laughs> becoming not that way. And I've heard that you have to feed your female Timor to the point where she almost regurgitates. And then yeah. she's good to go. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, that's like a bag of rats. Also, you know, like expensive rats are. What the hell's the matter with you? Like, so, my, yeah. My female Timor only wants to eat live. It drives me crazy. It's Bitch. like, I've been years. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, so it's like, I, I just never remember. Yeah. I mean, she gets, she gets fed enough, but doesn't really grow much. She's on the, you know, 12 years to maturity plan. <laughs> <laughs> She'll get there. I'll get there, but I'm, well, I'm going to breed air. I'm going to breed Eric's rock pythons this year, damn it. Ah, <laughs> excellent. Yes. I've got the female that. up to eating full-grown roosters. So oh, Jesus. Crap. She's not that big, but rock pythons are scary as hell. <laughs> they are. They. You want to, anybody listen to this? If you want a snake that demands your respect, you get yourself an African rock python. They are not joking. Like they, and my pair has never struck at me. The male hisses at me, which is super intimidating, but they've never actually acted aggressively, but I will never trust them. There's something about them like, whoa, like you're like, all right, like I'm not, no, we're not messing around. I, I will never take my eyes off you. Uh, but yeah, they're, they, rock pythons are famous for habitually just eating enormous things relative to their body size. Like you can find any number of pictures of rock pythons eating impalas, yeah. other gazelles and, you know. Saw a picture of one one time eating a hyena. You know how much of a badass you got to be to eat a eat hyena? A hyena? <laughs> oh my god! Like yeah, Jesus. And this Christ. thing, like so, yeah, she'll eat that chicken. She ain't that big, but I don't want her to get any bigger. Thank God, God you got those things chicken. away from him. He'd be dead by now. Yeah, they'd have eaten like, him. They would have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> like... Well, I saw them when Eric first got them at a carpet fest, and then yeah. he sent them to me like two years later, and they were like two inches longer. Like <laughs> like, like, like these. The same ones? Like, these haven't grown early at all. I've got them. They're ready to go. I put them together last year because they'll breed really small, even though they're big snakes. They'll breed yeah. like seven and a half feet. They'll sometimes breed. So I've, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. This year, I'm hoping to cross off berms, rock pythons, off the list this year, uh, black bloods this year, hopefully. Hopefully, I can get at least three more species done this year. Um, what was the third one? What? Well, yeah, the... rock pythons and uh, black short Sumatran short tails. Oh, yeah. black, black Sumatran short tails. Yeah. Okay, female, our female right. is like uh, I got it from a good friend of mine, so she's a one-time proven breeder and as big as a freaking my leg. <laughs> yeah, freaking tank. He said, "Oh yeah, she's had one clutch." I don't know what I was picturing, but when I got it, it was like it, it was not as big. It was less than I got. Like I was like, "Holy crap!" Like. What did shipping cost? Like two hundred dollars? This thing was like <laughs> Joshua asks, "How about Indian pythons? Are you working on those?" Sort of. Uh, I have a pair of Sri Lankans that are still yes. Built. 
that I, I like quite a bit. Uh, yeah. They're, they're kind of a dicks, though. Like, they're not <laughs> super friendly. I like them, though. They're really sexy. I can uh, see keeping yeah. those. I mean, there's all sorts of legalities. They're a pain in the ass ones. They're appendix ones. Mm. But, uh, Matt, so, Matt has... Kind of uh, sort of Indian pythons, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I'd like to get some mainland Indian pythons, but they're just almost not existent in the hobby. Yeah. Days. And then the Matt legalities. Matt the Lankans. And I transporting across state lines. The legalities are not insignificant. So yeah, gotcha. They're beautiful. I. It's why I refuse and to go so look I, at mats. I don't want it. I have so many snakes. <laughs> it's just it's stupid. It's just yeah. stupid. <laughs> what else do yeah. I have to breed this year? I can't breed the southern scrubs. That's next year. Mm. Uh, I'm going to put the Helm Harrows together this year. Ah, I don't know if the males fun. are big enough to breed, but it won't hurt him to try. And the females, she's not very big, but she does the obvious wants to breed thing where she turns jet black yep. for the whole winter. Yep. Uh, and has done that for the last like four. I've raised this snake up from a from like about 75 grams like 12 years ago. Uh, just a female. And yeah, so I've, I've got two boys now and they're, we'll see cool that's not something you get your hopes up for it's like oh, <laughs> sure thing the males i got is like you know juveniles eating like adult mice ish right all size and then i've raised them up a fair bit now they're eating like medium rats and the female i've raised to from a hat from a not much bigger than a hashling so hmm. we'll see cool very you cool. know what they're not going to breed if you don't put them in the same cage. You're right. They're if you don't do it breed. every time. Yeah. Separate cages. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll have never gotten animals year. to breed in separate cages. Yeah. I mean, I, a few. Well, I should produce Western Simpsons this year. Cool. That's low hanging fruit there. That's almost a gimme. I got a couple <laughs> pairs. If I don't produce that, I should just retire. <laughs> so I'll add one more little notch. That'll complete the Antaresia. Oh. Okay. Well, I That's guess I don't good. have the New Guinea ones if you believe that those are real. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I'm not totally sold on that. Like I don't. I don't. You know, it's a hot take on the Antaresia, but uh, I don't. I find I find flaws there in that logic. I I'd like to be proven wrong, but I'm not convinced as yet. It's for the New Guinea spotted pythons to be a separate full species. You would have to have like a biogeographical scenario that we don't observe in literally anything else at all full stop nothing <laughs> animals move from place to place at the same time if they're in the same habitat so right the scrub pythons at the tip of the cape york peninsula are genetically the same as the ones in New guinea on the other side the water pythons are the same as the ones on the other side of the torres strait anytime you have a reptile that occurs on both sides of the torres strait it's genetically, there's fuck all no difference. <laughs> but somehow, spotted pythons are the one that, it's so different, it's a different full species. That doesn't make any, that's like, eh, mm. I don't know. I'd like to see another paper by another group that comes to the same conclusion. Because you don't, yeah. how does that even, and the, the form of spotted python in New Guinea, you also find identical appearing animals in the Lockerbie scrub at the tip of the peninsula. So it's not, <laughs> And, no, and you have ignore more those. Continuous <laughs> distribution on the Cape York Peninsula. So that the Cape York spotteds are a separate subspecies from the fur ones further down the close coast mm. is completely consistent with everything else. And the breakpoint between the spotted pythons and the Cape York spotted pythons is exactly the same place as the break between Cheney and Variegata and the carpet pythons. 
It's the same right. thing. Right. That makes uh, you sense. See it in multiple reptile species, the same breakpoint. So that is, and I keep both of them. I've bred both of them, and they are obviously different uh, in a whole lot of ways. So that makes sense and is consistent. But the, the, the ones in New Guinea, 22 nautical miles away, are a full species. I'm like, eh. Yeah, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, and maybe, hmm. maybe another T-shirt. That's T-shirt yeah, number three yeah, of this episode. episode. Yeah, write these down. We've <laughs> already got like three shirts. Maybe they are, out. but I'm like, I'm a little bit like, I find that hard to explain why. Literally nothing else shows that. Oh, the frilled dragons that occur on both sides. You can't tell them apart. You can't tell apart a gelatin jungle from a freaking popwood carpet genetically. It's all. <laughs> one continuum of stuff like but right. somehow the spotted pythons are like a genetically different. different like they somehow bucked that trend like i, I don't they're just even special though, like it, that well you can almost think like well did they make it to new guinea a lot earlier and then diverge much earlier in the past and then have never reconnected but if you have that phenotypically identical and they're kind of weird looking animals in australia you can kind of rule that out that they're, they're the same right. thing here like, I don't, well, that's okay. They're all just children's pythons anyway, right? Yeah, it's all, all the same now. <laughs> oh my god, don't get me started on that. No. Gotcha. Okay, I won't. Uh, Kyle is asking if you're still working on uh, Simelia nauta. Um, sort of, maybe a little, a little. They're uh, here. Yeah. I've bred them, them a few times now. Mm-hmm. Never with great, never producing huge numbers, never producing them consistently or anything like that. I'm a, I think I bred them three times in, you know, over like a 16 year period. Lots of clutches that didn't go anywhere. Bad eggs mm. didn't hatch, you know, but I've, I've hatched them multiple, like three times. I've even bred animals that I produce. I bred them through F2. Okay. But uh, again, they're one of those things that like, I'd like more of them, but they got really impossible to get. And then they wanted a billion dollars for them. Yeah. And I had a <laughs> 2.1 group, but they're super old now. So I've got uh a female adult patternless gold one that I produced who's never laid a clutch for me. I had to put down one of my two males recently. He's 15 years old and got the intestinal tumor thing that so many pythons that you're nodding your head because we've all seen it. Yep. It's like, oh, look, you've got a baseball-sized mass and a snake that's only the diameter of a quarter. It's like a 600-gram snake, proven proven breeder at 600 grams, mind you, with this giant fist-sized mass that just showed up. I'm like, well, that's... In a 15-year-old animal, it's like, well, that's not going to end well. Yeah. And they they, they grow so quick, too. It's like, hey, you, you puked up that rat. That's kind of weird. And then there it is, like, right in yeah, there. Yeah, it was like, it. just like, it was just there one day. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. Like, yep. that's, well, we know what that is. Yep. Um, so I bound a one male, and he's also 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> you know, He's getting kind of wore out. I don't know how confident I am in him. Somebody had a wild caught gold one, but they wanted like a thousand dollars for it. I'm like, yeah, I have a hard time giving some random flesh peddler a thousand dollars for a ratty <laughs> wild caught snake, but I know they paid two hundred dollars for it. Like, I just have a another hard time T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time giving some flesh peddler. <laughs> well. No, I, I agree with you. It's a lot it's on good. Keep them coming. <laughs> I, I get the role that people that sell wild caught stuff fill in the hobby because right. if there was not for wild caught stuff, there wouldn't be any stuff because all stuff traces back to wild caught stuff sooner or later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not against wild caught things that I wouldn't want anybody to think I was, but there are some pretty smarmy characters in that sector of the hobby. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you're 
it is hard for me to respect people who try to who make a living off other people's work. Yes. Like, I don't want to take the time to make anything. I'll just buy this stuff and flip it as fast as I can. Hopefully, I don't even have to put a meal into it. And like, if, that, mm. if people that are doing that and getting wild caught shit from importers, it's not like they're quarantining things and they're keeping, you know, it's, it's exactly like you think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to support that. I will get wild caught things when there are, because there are certainly times where that's the only, you got almost no choice. Yeah. You want to work with something, that's what you got to do. I'm no stranger to that, but it's hard to like, you know, it's hard to like give somebody a thousand dollars, something, you know, they paid less than half of that. They paid like $400 for it. Right, for yeah. three yeah. days. And but they, they might just drop it. dead. And, yeah, and oh, yeah. Probably it, doesn't it, even fucking eat full of worms and who knows what. And it's like, it's see the bubbles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's yeah. like Halma hair pythons. If you want a pair, you better buy two pairs. Yeah. <laughs> three pairs. yeah. Like, boy, they, some things have a hard time acclimating. <laughs> totally. It's the it just kind of goes back to it where it's like I almost prefer like right now I'm dealing with the uh, the captive white lips that I have here that I produced. And then they're the best baby white lips I've ever had because they're used to all my shit from the get go. And it's like, all right, yeah. so it's hopefully the next round when they're old enough is easier. So I got all my captive bred white lips from Ryan and they're all yep. assholes. So well, yeah, that one. Better, like. <laughs> there's all these really nice baby white lips. And this is the one I traded Ryan for that is an evil thing. And I'm like, what's I he doing swear, over there? I don't know what he's Ryan, doing with these things. <laughs> Ryan's probably been one of my best friends for like 25 years. He lives like less than an hour. I've known this guy for, since we were both kids. And I've got a lot of snakes, weird oddball stuff that he's produced. And every one of them is an asshole. Yeah. Like I, got, <laughs> I got a pair of northern white lips. I got a pair of southern white lips. They're all dicks. All of them. They're just like they all secret to his success. That's my wild insult them at a very young age, right? Yeah, just beat them. My, my, my wild caught blackface are better behaved than the baby captives I have from him. So, I I had a, I well, actually, I had an old pair of adult black white lips that I sent you many, many years ago, many, many years, many moons ago, 20 years ago, and. The female was wild caught. Like I got her from Cameron at Bushmaster and he never even unpacked her. It came in a shipment from Indo and he just opened it up. Yep. That's a female. Okay. Black Let's put it right back. So I got it in a bag that still had shredded Indonesian newspaper in the bottom. Of it. <laughs> like it was like, do not, which is better. Frankly, I'd rather I, not I prefer get set it. up. Nope. Just send it straight right. away. Yep. And, uh, and one it was pretty calm. <laughs> yeah. The captive red one I had from Matt Turner that you also got was a yep. lunatic. No, he was, a, he was a missile with teeth. That thing <laughs> bled me so. Oh, yeah. That, that guy was an a hole. <laughs> oh, God. You think the wild caught sub adult or adult one would be like the one that'd be problematic? Nope. I've heard that yeah. with, with some different stuff. It seems like F1s might just be a little bit extra angry. I don't know. Um, like I've had a lot of stuff that are aggressive, and then you think, "Oh, I'll give these captive bred ones." I had like captive bred. They were barnex. They were sarong barnex, but I got them from VPI when they were still totally convinced that barnex came from Jaipura. <laughs> so I remember Jaipura that. Barnex. I remember that they, the they're not Jaipura barnex. They're yeah. sarong barnex. There's a miscommunication, and like, nope, we're just sticking to this Jaipura thing, and they're they're not. They are not. Uh, I loved it because they had experts who were like, that one is a Jayapura. How do you continue to tell? I know. It's like, wait, you it's didn't not, say it. It's not. <laughs> like, I've literally now personally gone and 
looked at well-documented preserved museum specimens collected in that region and they're not they're not that like at all <laughs> not at all full stop this is like just a mistranslation or not mistranslation but miscommunication it's but they were you know you think like oh they're they're like f2s they're f2 barnex and they're fucking horrible like, it's like the, the meanest and that was the point at that point in the early 2000s i think i had 54 adult scrub pythons oh Jeez. god crazy. I had 54 adults i had like 12 tanner bars about a dozen so you had a blood bank yeah i had 54 <laughs> adult scrub pythons and out of all that there was one pair of juvenile southerns and one pair of adult barnex and all the rest of it were halmas and exanthic class telepis and the first imported aru scrubs that came in i had the first wamina scrub that came in like jesus all that stuff and like the meanest ones were those two f2 barnacks they were that by far the worst ones just horrible horrible like a heat-seeking missile you're uh those two waminas that you sent me are are what i'm most scared of in this life (laughs) (laughs) they're big now they they grew they don't like me. Did you stop handling them? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell like, yeah. Three minutes after you stopped handling them regularly, they decided, well, this guy's got to go. He's got yes. to die. This guy sucks. So like, yeah. Travis Travis Wyman was giving me a hard time because I, I took a video of the female. She, like, took the hook from me. Like, if I was grabbing the handle of the hook, I was going to get bit on the hand. So, you know, she's, like, all, like, on the floor, just like, that. that's hers now. And he was like, you have to show them that. That you're the boss. If they find that you back down, you're already lost. And I was like, "No, but she's the boss." Don't make eye contact like, oh, with the no. scrubs. Just run, look at them. run, Lucas. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, there's that point where you keep them when they're little babies in a tub, and then they move up to the bigger tub. And when you're in the tub, living that tub life, you got to grab them and take them out of the tub to clean the tub. So they're every week the giant hands come down and pick them up and they get used to that. And it's all smooth sailing. They're super mellow. The minute you put them in there, you get an adult sized cage now and they crawl up in their hide or put a branch and then they just try to kill you like 10 yeah. minutes later. This it's is like, mine now. Now yeah. that I don't have to touch you every day, you hate me. It's really good that they're pretty because if they weren't, it would be really hard. <laughs> it would be really hard. I love the Waminas. I, I like them quite a bit. But... I do too. No, I just it's hands off now. <laughs> I would love to get Malukas again. Scrubs. I got a. I've got a amazing mm. pair of sarong barnax. They're young. Mm. One part they got weird aberrant striping and stuff, but they're really really nice. I'm raising those up. I got a pair of sub adult southerns. I got a, a tri- reverse trio Halmaharas. I got a pair of tannin bars. So I guess I've got a a little bit of Simalia stuff going. Nice. Nice. I, I had a really nice group of uh, Malukans for a while, and I and I wish I could get them back. That would have been those were those were fun. It's like I've had so many freaking Malukan pythons. Like I've seen so many lockups for Malukan pythons breeding adults that just didn't ovulate. Like that sucks. <laughs> I will not pay what these people are absolutely smoking crack about these. Like I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Last time I bought a Malukan was probably eight years ago. Uh, and I paid $225 for this gorgeous juvenile female that was actually tame. Mm. And that was it. And like, I'm not, I, I, I bought too many of them for under $200, even Xanthics, you know, I'm not paying $3,500 for some. No. Yeah. Hell, especially because, you know, if you're patient, Indo's just going to start importing them again and they're going to, you know, 
Right. They, it, they'll the crash equalizer. Down. The problem yeah. is the people that are like trying to jack the price up through the stratosphere on that kind of stuff, even for the wild caught ones. There's this concept, there's a thing people don't really realize or think about, and that is that people in other parts of the world also have the internet. So the exporter <laughs> who's got some class Olympus that they would have been happy to sell for $75 to an importer sees that these jackasses are charging $3,500 for them. So then they want $1,000 for them. Right. Exactly, yeah. And it just creates this sort of self-fulfilling right. prophecy of high prices. Yeah. It's, same thing happened with the ball python thing. Like people are just cherry picking and picking out new morphs out of wild caught babies in mass. And then the people, in, then, you know, they got the internet in Africa too. Eventually, they're like, why are we selling all these things for $3 and we can just go through and pick out the weird ones and sell them for more? Mm-hmm. And then they started, you know, and even before back in the day when, you know, when an obvious morph, something like an albino or a pied or something was obviously weird, would come up, it would be expensive to get it from Africa, but it was not that expensive. It would be expensive relative to what the cost of anything else was. But then they started seeing the prices that Americans and Europeans are selling this stuff for. And then whenever they find something really dramatic, they would want a bazillion dollars for it. Right. So it's hmm. it'll come back down again. It, it always does. It's just certain things just seem to be up in the stratosphere and don't seem to be ever coming back down. Like I I can't imagine Bull and I ever dropping below like I, I guess 10, 10 grand an animal or something like that. Yeah, I don't you, know why. For that much, you yeah. Keep every single one of them. I didn't. I didn't okay, come on, guys. They're only like eight right now. Let's be fair. Oh my goodness, eight whole you thousand dollars. And, and I passed on them when they were seven hundred fifty dollars all day long, like seven hundred fifty bucks <laughs> all day. And I didn't buy them then. Mm. Uh, I'm certainly not going to pay ten times that amount. I keep yeah. getting like, I've had a couple a couple occasions, you know, in the last years, people like want to float some sort of a trade deal. They want to trade me some Bolin's five on. I'm like, yeah, fuck no. Like, <laughs> no. They're no, like, no. wait, wait, what? Like, yeah, what no, no. You said what? <laughs> Usually when somebody approaches me with a trade, I'm just like, yeah, no, I don't care. It doesn't even, once in a weird while, I'll just be like at a morbid chair. I was like, what are we talking about? <laughs> I offered you like, a guitar before and I they knew always you. Like, come out, you're like that. Not always, but a couple of guys are like, well, how do you feel about Bolin's pythons? I'm like, I think I don't care about Bolin's <laughs> you remember sure when I uh... up is a lone male that I'll never find a female for in a million years. And even if I did, would never even consider for a millisecond paying what someone would charge for me. <laughs> Buying her, yeah. And I'm extremely confident I could breed the damn things, but I'm just not, I don't care that much. It's a Montane scrub python. Ain't that damn special. <laughs> I'm not, it's not that I doubt that I could breed them, but it, I also don't have a place to breed them. Right. Like knowing what they need, I can't just stick them in the room. And I have three different rooms in three different buildings. One's in my house. Who's sitting, I'm sitting in my baby room, which is also my office because I needed mm. a second baby room. Jeez. And then I've got, the other two outside and it there i would have to have yet another another room <laughs> yeah. just for one species which i just can't i don't care do that it. much like do it, you coward my house for a bowling python room i don't care that much. there's a million other cool snakes maybe yeah. i'll get to it at some point but not, uh, not, not on the not on the uh, horizon okay i got a good I've... friend that i know will breed him in a few years anyway and i'll just work some bullshit trade deal or something probably so. I, I I have no interest in them. They're cool, but I, the amount of space, time, effort, nah. I mean, I, I'm I'm. It's one of these things that, like, I mean, there was a 
a guy, I won't mention his name, but he's would never hear this because he hasn't been around. I don't know whatever happened to him. When I was more of a hobbyist, I met this guy who's into carpets and stuff, and he kind of actually kind of fucked me on a snake deal. But be that as it may, he said something to me, and it was like like 2001 when mm-hmm. Jaguar carpets were first becoming a thing, and everybody was lusting after Jaguar carpets and all the made-up mythology of nonsense that went around it at the time. <laughs> but he said to me, he goes, I can't figure out, are these things expensive because they're so cool, or are they just cool because they're expensive? Right. Bit of both. That's a <laughs> yeah. lot of the hobby, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of everything. That is so expensive because it's that cool? Or is it just cool because it's that expensive? I it, it, it always seemed like it was that bit of both thing where it was Yeah. They were they were cool and then that just kinda pushed them up and now they've gone so high up that they're almost like a status symbol and it's it like, like I don't fifteen hundred dollars cool or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twenty grand for a pair of. I don't know. I don't know about getting like. I don't know about spending. I mean, we've all spent in the teens when it comes to an individual animal. I I can't imagine getting into like the ten thousand dollar like up there for one snake. I I don't know. Uh, Yeah, it sucks. I. I (laughs) uh, It's a bit of a leap. Like, I mean, what you spend on a pair of snakes or whatever it's all relative to your own sort of income and the, the, at the time and your bill. So it's not just purely a, an absolute dollar figure. I mean, when I got my first Brettles pythons in 2000, so what, 23 years ago, mm. like they were $5,000 a pair. Okay. And I got two pairs and that was, I was not making a lot of money. I was not like a big successful snake breeder. That was a heavy lift. Yeah. Uh, it turned out to be the best move ever for me in the longer <laughs> term but it's like it you know that was not an insignificant amount uh and then with like the hypo bridles that was you know absurd like an absurd <laughs> and that was not a cheap thing to get like but you know what are you gonna do i mean it but it's it worked exactly those animals kind of add to it where it's like i i now have i kind of feel like if you have a pair of animals like you said, you have pairs that have never bred or something like that. You could never get that. And then at least like if there's yeah. somebody of a group there, the super rare, a little bit, the super rare stuff, it's mm. expensive because it's super rare stuff. If you want to have a trio of albino visual albino Aussie olive pythons 13 years ago, it was not, a, it was a freaking lot of money. Like it was not yeah. a, it was freaking a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, and that one took, over a decade to get. Hey, I'm shipping an albino out this week. I'm shipping the. I sold the mail. I, the only one I never. Yay, that guy or yeah, girl. It's leaving on Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> I haven't figured out which day, but it's leaving this week. Look like it's getting uh, the hell out of here. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Before it gets any colder up here, I want to get it out of here safe and sound nice. where it's going to land. So yeah, yeah some of the stuff you, know, you want to buy like a pair of rough scale pythons out of the first clutch ever produced in North America. That was yeah. not cheap. No. It's freaking expensive. Like, yeah, totally. You know, I mean, there's there's always the risk versus reward calculation, and you're not. <laughs> what do you got? In, what do you got back there? Those are my babies, my ruffies. Oh yeah. yeah. Did you have yep. fun time getting them to eat? Uh, they're all feeding. All all seventeen. You, you have seventeen babies. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God, I did terrible. I had one this year. No. Oh. Actually, I had three eggs made it, and the female like kind of bound up and prolapsed her oviduct and it was just a total mm. train wreck. She's That's the worst. Older. She's, you know, she's, 
she is the animal I paid a bazillion dollars for out of the she was the she was Cameron's holdback. I got Cameron's holdback pair out of the first clutch produced from the original pair that came. Jesus, in. damn! And so she's produced a lot, and she's produced a lot of clutches. I've got her own offspring that are breeding now and have been. So that's great, Grandma. Probably her last clutch, but I ended up like, yeah, one jacked up baby, one drop dead, and I got one female that eats fine, and that's it. The whole one female ruffy for the year. So the uh, seventeen. That's like. Yeah, and I had to split a clutch, so I would have had more. But because um, uh, the one female had sixteen eggs, and the other one had eight, so what the hell are you going to do with all those? <laughs> He's going to keep. They're mine. <laughs> these are mine. <laughs> He's building an army. Yeah, these are mine. Um, but I found out their silver silver bullet is um, button quail, baby button quail. It give me a bird the size of a fuzzy, and yeah, they went nuts. I have like a strategic reserve of frozen quail chicks, but it's running low and they're not easy for me to get. Mm -hmm. I've literally thought about like my rodent room is not very big, but I'm like, is there any way I can set up some quail cages up in here from (laughs) what I breed? Could you imagine like with fussy carpets and fussy rare pythons? Imagine if you had a live quail right out of the egg, still got the goo on it from the egg. The albumin is all gooey, like right out of the egg live bird that is that small oh my god you know it'd be like absolutely anything you're nuts well that's so. i bought a bunch of incubated quail eggs that if you crack them open there is a fully formed bird mm. in there the eggs have been frozen but you can thaw that out and then here's a here's a a, a bird the size of almost like a, a pinky you got a what, link for that? What are those? What what are those sold for? Why would people buy that? Like, they they're it is something that's a delicacy. Testing. Yeah, I don't know. It's something that you they're. You want to um, eat an egg? A fully bird in it, baby yeah. Bird in well, the you know egg. those the the balut the like yeah blue, the duck yeah like only partly developed yeah it, mm. it's something that uh, they're working. I uh, was at a cold blooded uh, cafe is working on that, so I got a little bit of a test thing for it. So. Hmm. Yeah. Imagine it would smell even extra bird-like if it still got the. Goose. Yeah, we're gonna. I, I, I. Everything's eating, so I don't have anything to try it on. But I have a bag, so I'm gonna figure something out. But really? then also, what like cafes doing that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although I, they got it for me, I have ins. So, um, but <laughs> the <laughs> other thing is like my Kribo and all my other Asian colubrids just eat those eggs too. They just swallow them whole. I'd never ordered rodents from them before until I did recently. That's such a just it was a stupid good deal. I'm like the right, mega sale of a few yeah. weekends ago. Well, I've had like some sort of awkward moments with Chris. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of I was a little hesitant. It's like um, yeah, a few very awkward carpet fest incidents over the years. Right. So I was kind of stayed away, but uh, now I I was pretty impressed actually. So big ass rats, a really good deal, and. Yeah, seemed like there was no bad blood or anything. So like, and I, I I keep begging him to expand more into the birds and stuff like that. So they're going to work on uh, quail and stuff like that. So tiny bit micro birds. That's what I said. I'm like, like, get like button quail. I keep sending him pictures of the button quail. I'm like, these. (laughs) these This is what you need. Yeah, I've got a a handful frozen, but they're so precious to me. I'm really loath to get them out unless I really need to. I've got, I hatched a buttload, not a buttload, like 24 inland carpets from two clutches. Unrelated clutches from totally unrelated bloodlines. Who would have thought? Uh, 
and apparently no one else in the country hatched any inlands this year because everybody's no. blowing me up. It's like, I, yeah, which is Well, great. It's, it's you and your co-author, man. It's you and Julander and nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm happy there's good demand and they're an awesome snake, but they're kind of a pain in the ass to get going. They're really shy and they're really small, but yeah. I finally last night, it's like, all right, I'm button up, busting out the quail. Got three out of the, like 10 that I've never eaten took the quail. Yep. It's yep. like they ate a Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> they're little tiny. I mean, they're like sub twenty gram babies. They're really small. They're noticeably smaller than other carpets, but mm. they went for it. Diamond pythons too. Like I've had a lot of them. Like wouldn't eat, wouldn't eat, wouldn't eat. Give them a quail, and they'll choke down this giant quail. Like, the right, um, well. the cornix quail, like the the, the mm. other quail that's about the size of a small mouse. Olive pythons. This is this is crack to them. Like, Those are the ones that I order because they have like the the day old ones from Rodent yeah. Pro for those so, tiny ones. And how this, much bigger are those than the button quails? So this is, about? this is the normal quail, Cornix quail, something like that. Small mouse. Yeah. Button quail. Uh, it is a, it is a fuzzy. Okay. Interesting. It is a fuzzy hopper. Like that's the, that's as big as they it look, gets. They look bigger than a, that because birds are always fluffy. Right. But if you're like when they're wet, like there's nothing, nothing there. there. Like, it's a, it's a, <laughs> not even a big fuzzy. It's just like a, average fuzzy like any carpet could choke it down it might look oh, yeah. big but they out, go nuts out of these guys the ones that ate fuzzies look so much bigger than the ones that ate quail and they all ate uh, yesterday night like it's just the, the lump is non-existent <laughs> for a quail yeah i need to get more i need to get a handle on a better supply of quail i just think that's what you talk about the olive pythons like that was i bred olive pythons a bunch of times mm-hmm normal ones the albinos have been giving me problems but uh i've bred normal olives you know i don't even know how many times quite a few times now and that i've never fed one a quail until this year i fed the female albino who didn't want i i had some quail i thought some for something else yeah and i gave her and she ate a couple and then she started eating rice but yep, yep. i didn't have to this time but normally i never feed them birds i just like just if you just take a mouse and you just pluck some down off of a frozen throw it on stick, it yeah and just I take tweezers and I like cram it in the mouse's mouth. So the frozen mouse has like a he's a mouthful of feathers, and he's offering feathers first, and they just like murp, just start eating. It's like <laughs> it's like that was the that was the that was the pin number for the snake. Just <laughs> murp, murp, <laughs> it, like no problem. Like that's what they were waiting for. My olives came at the one point of the season where I was just like buried under shit so i'm just like okay i'd sit here and i could fuck with you guys or here's a quail close your bin like and it was just that <laughs> yeah, so like almost virtual 100 acceptance like yeah exactly yeah, I have, like they're on it out of my clutch of 14 i have like four on mice and then everybody else is eating quail and now i'm at that point where thawing it and throwing it at them is so much easier so i have to actually start doing the bullshit of getting them off of the quail onto the mouse and stuff like that. But it's just like the, the, the Madagascar hognose are pretty much the same way. Um, some of them, I have two or three that are still on like chunks of frog meat. Everybody else is on frog scented. And now <laughs> it's, yeah. Meat. Oh yeah. A, oh yeah. I had a female black headed python started on quail chicks. Just like, oh, yeah. like I've almost do a couple of them on the floor and just shut the tub and just ate them. Yep. That's what was what worked for quail chicks, but she's like, "What? Well, yeah, that... pythons. That's pretty good at this point in the game." <laughs> it's like, "All right." That's what worked really well for me was that's good. Assisting the quail, and then once they're getting down to the base of the quail, just the the legs of that quail sticking out, I could boost mm-hmm. a fuzzy in after it, and that worked really well. 
for getting my two babies to take the, the damn rodents. Yeah, blackheads are fun. There's a reason why they're expensive. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not really as hard to breed as people say. It's like they're not super hard no. to breed. They're not super hard to incubate and hatch. But the babies, I mean, it's like a lot of work to get four babies. And then, like, that are probably going to need six months of assist feeding and trial and error to get them to eat a freaking unscented mouse. So you, you have to, the value is, you know, in the, the work people have to readers have to put in to get them established and feeding right. Um, yeah. I, I didn't like them at first. I just felt like I needed to breed them to say I did it, which is you know, <laughs> not the greatest motivation, though that's my leading motivation now, apparently. But yeah, now I've really started to like them. They're weird. Do you have any, Owen? I do not have any blackheads. I got rid of. I've been telling them. I had a pair of Womas, (laughs) and I hated them, and I sent them to Lucas, and he hated them. Well, your Womas were broken. Yes, they were. Um, So you break Womas. I no, they just were. They would only lay slugs. They laid like four clutches of slugs in there. Yeah, I got. got, Yeah, I got three clutches of slugs, and they did that thing where they were always. They look good, and she wrapped them all up, and I'm like, yeah. And then you put them away, and then like three days later half of them have just collapsed in on themselves and are yellow and I'm like crap. And then you just ain't got going. no veins. Yeah. Just goo. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times those are a lot of times when you see like that fully shelled, what you think is infertile, it probably was fertilized, but the embryo died before the egg was even laid. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. it got shelled, but the embryo was dead before the egg even hit the ground. Right. So they, those ones tend to just like, look great when they're laid and like 24 hours later just totally just, just gone yeah just like immediately crash happened to both you and i with western yeah that was heartbreaking yep. seeing like nine yeah. western blackheads like nine eggs like, awesome. yep. like the next day they were garbage <laughs> exactly like we didn't even have time to fuck it like, up they were just already dead <laughs> i've never seen and they were all fertile because i could see a tiny embryo and tiny veins yeah. a little bit of vascular development and it was like but they all were already dead before she dropped them that's totally breeding season highs and gut gut wrenching lows. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I think a lot of people like they don't in the hobby. They, I mean, they probably look at guys like me and probably you too, Owen, as you become a pretty accomplished python breeder, and they just think that it's all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns, and it's mostly a bunch of bullshit, isn't it? Oh yeah, constant. It is, it is not like. Like, yeah, I produced, I had a terrible season this year. I produced like 200 pythons. 200 is a shit season. But I, in the first like half of the season, all the clutches, but I had 38 clutches of pythons. This is a ridiculous number of clutches. But like the second half of the season, like all the clutches just went to shit. Like it was, you you get these clutches like 17 eggs and it yields like two snakes out of 17 eggs and all of them crash. This kind of stuff happens. It, it does. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's this roller coaster of you know, it's got its high highs and its low lows, and people only see they look at your availability page or whatever, and they see all this success, but they don't see pictures of eggs that died. They don't see pictures of jacked up kink snakes or whatever it is. They don't see over ducks. The failures. Yeah. They only see the stuff that turned out really great. They don't see all the other stuff that goes it, along with it. They don't kind of just. The hours of us sitting there like an idiot with a headlamp, bopping snakes in the nose with a fuzzy, trying to get yep. little jerks to take it. They don't see that. They don't see any of the downside of it. It's, you know, or 
It, that, that's just that's how it goes is there's always some sort of thing that we don't kind of get into and you know i for one have never claimed to be any kind of good breeder at all and will fight anybody who calls me such so i mean i i'm throwing jello at the wall and somehow it seems to just be working so um keep doing it working. yeah so keep rolling baby he's the um, most Humble and successful bearded man I've ever met in Thank my you. life. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's it just this kind of, like you said, like I have these roughies. You guys didn't see the one that was born without uh, missing half its body. Like it was, that <laughs> happened this year. Like yeah. it, we don't, that's the that's part of it. Right now I'm dealing with my um, uh, Exanic Jaguar male that I've been raising up for three years. He's right on the cusp of getting to where he needs to go and getting put with females and he has a kink on his spine that has just developed right near the vent and he can't keep his hemipenes in his freaking body. So, Is it a, is it a depressed kink with a tail angled up or a camel's hump yeah, where it's angled down? It, camel hump angles down. Yeah, I've seen that a lot in carpet, so I don't know. You'd think like, oh, it was probably from Sexnum, but that would be bet the other way. No, Not and he town. was, and, and he's, and it, it, he was fine, and it just started. He developed two kinks in his spine over the last year, and I don't know where they're coming from. What's going I've on? I've seen that a bunch of times and a bunch of things, and I think yeah. what that point at the clo right at the cloaca, that's where the pel the rudiments of the pelvis still are. And that is a transitional spot between the back vertebrae and the caudal vertebrae of the tail. Right. That's right where they switch the vertebrae changes to caudal vertebrae. And it's like, it's always put right at that junction. And I always just figured it's something that like, there was probably some small malformation or defect that it never manifested. You never saw it until it grew sufficient to, to be a problem. Right. If you have a small asymmetry or something, it's not, you know, and it's, you know, over time, over years of eating and growing and growing and growing, if you have an asymmetry left, right, we'll say the musculature is going to be trying to compensate for that. So you're going to have like a weaker muscle on one side that's atrophied and a stronger on the other side. And over time, it'll bend the snake. There was mm-hmm. probably always some small defect there. It just took a long time for you to actually, for it to grow to the extent where you could actually see it. He's got to that yeah. point now where he's on larger rats. So he did just have a growth spurt and that's where we're at. So uh, right now, right now he's got, he, he prolapsed one hemi peen and you know, you put it back and comes back. Yeah. You put it back, comes back out. So now we're at the point where we're, where we're probably going <laughs> to amputate that. And then he's got one and we'll see if he can keep that in and be a potentially good breeder with the one, but who the hell knows? But that's, that's four years worth of a project. Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like that's why I keep two of everything. <laughs> like I yeah. like any project that I am sufficiently interested in pursuing, I will keep two point two, yep. or two point three. Every project, because if you have a pair of something and then your male develops a, you know, permanent hemipenal prolapse and loses a dick or both, you're kind of <laughs> out of luck. You can't breed. You can't. Your project's kind of dead in the water when you only got one snake. Yep. Uh, yeah. Or you have a male, one male, and it's like, yeah, but he doesn't want to do anything, and then you don't have a backup plan. And having backup, whether you know, and that two pairs of something, you know, dramatically increases your success rate. Like if you look at any of these projects I got, I've got multiple. I have backups for literally everything. Yeah. Unless it's something that is so rare, so impossible to get that there is no backup to get. There just isn't one. 
it, it yeah. it's 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 one of those like if you're getting if you just have a pair you're playing with it you you might get lucky it's kind of a fun thing to have but if you're serious you got 2.2 because then you're actively yeah. trying in my opinion you know things it's, like some of this really expensive stuff like i was yeah. in a position to buy like 2.2 roughies but i sure shit held back a second pair the minute i produced them mm. yeah my uh, T plus children's python. There was a single male. There was no other animal to get. There wasn't even a female to get. They got the one. Yeah. I held back when I produced them. I held back. Right. I held That's back what... the rest of them from that. You know that first clutch of them. So it's you gotta. Otherwise, you're just one heater malfunction, one bit of bad luck, one lazy breeder away from nothing. Yeah. One, one development of stomach cancer in a male python. Psh. Okay, yeah. Over the age of ten, of course. It's like it's usually like I find that happens in younger males that are almost ready to breed. <laughs> it, with carpets, like if, if they make it to ten years old, they live forever. Like I've got yeah. a bunch of geriatric males that are. I think I might breed them this year to like an Aforis female, but I've got my original Harris line male from two thousand and seven. Wow. Yeah. He's 16 years old. He hasn't seen a female in years. He's still just kicking it. <laughs> he's going to be stoked. He's a good breeder. He just doesn't ever get the opportunity. I have a, I think my oldest girl is a 2000, is a 2007 coastal. I had her in college. She's still here. She's playing, you know, that's awesome. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm running my 2002 Western Blackheads this year, baby. <laughs> I think my, average like the median age for breeding pythons at my house is probably about nine or ten i have a lot of like you know eight to twelve year old breeders but i've got a fair few from i realized i i needed to hold back a few years ago some queensland water pythons and i realized my adults are from 2004 wow okay <laughs> like I, I have a i have a trio of babies i held back a few years ago they're almost big enough they're probably big enough to breed the male certainly is the females are probably big enough this year but i freaking love those things and like thinking that 19 years old now or whatever it's like probably i i will get my water pythons to breed one of these days so help <laughs> me god and then she they're sold before the eggs hatch i mean the second it looks like I, I see a pip they're gone yeah same thing I with my eyes I love them too, but Owen has the new guineas. (laughs) Yeah. I've got all of the water pythons, but I've not bred the new guineas. They're genetically the same as the Queensland ones, but I I would never breed one to a Queensland one. (laughs) Of course not. Yeah. I tried to breed my new guinea ones last year, and mine are F1s, and they didn't do anything. So we'll see if they do something this year. I'll try to breed the group of Queensland ones this year again. And I'll try yet again on the fog dam Northern Territory ones. That this is one of those things. It's like I've had them longer than I had those goddamn olive pythons. Those fog damn olives. it! <laughs> oh my god! And over the long years, like I've lost a couple of them. I had freaking three pair, and now I'm down to two pair at, because it's been like 16 years. Yeah, something insane. Jesus! And I have just—they have just for whatever reason—they're so flighty. They never do anything. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing something wrong. Clearly, it's me. I don't know what though. All right. Well, I, I've got one for you. Carpets mm-hmm. and coffee. Carpet pythons. You, Nick Mutton, 
have written two books on carpet pythons. You turned jungles uh, black and white. Uh, you did a whole bunch of stuff with like the Sonowash gene. You've done all these things with carpet pythons in the year 2024. What excites you most in the genus Morelia or shit in the yeah, carpet no, complex? Fuck. Now. Whatever. Morelia is below He was doing that. so well. <laughs> Yeah. Morelia should What's be left? just the Morelia rightfully should be just the carpet complex. Okay, the cool. Well, then everybody can say I did a good job. The green pythons do not belong in Morelia. <laughs> That's dumb. Chondro python needs to be resurrected formally as a genus and split them out. Phylogenetically, it does not make sense to have them lumped together. They are their own. I mean, the, the, kind of the definition of a genus is basically in lay terms like a whole bunch of snakes are more closely related to each other than they are to anything else. Mm-hmm. And all these green pythons, all four or five of them, there's probably more than four or five, but they all are very, very close to each other and not close to anything else. That's the definition. It's like, why are all the tree monitors in the same genus Brandis? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like, they're all obviously have a common ancestor, a recent common ancestor, and it's a long, it's, why is this, this is just stupid. So, Morelia is the carpet complex. Prove me wrong, I guess. Perfect. Got it. Now the question. <laughs> what's back to the question? <laughs> uh, oh yeah. The yeah. Question. What's the most exciting <laughs> thing about it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like the things that I get, it, the clutches I get interested in, and excited in now, are like things nobody cares about. It's <laughs> not much. Like I, uh, like I started breeding Cape York locality carpets, and I think that's neat. They're all jerks, but it's super <laughs> rare, and I think that's super cool, and I get very excited to see those that's something that really blows my skirt up, so to speak. Like I, mm. I don't, uh, put that on a shirt, shirt number flashy four. morph thing or anything like that. It's, I don't, I don't want to disparage carpet morphs. I produce a bunch of them, but it's less, I would say that at this point, you know, my herb career, if you will, it's probably less important to me than it once was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I get, I mean, I mean, I'll pr- and I'm going to prove out my super hypo tiger coastals this year. I've got two adult males that are likely to prove out to be super hypo tigers, so they're nice. freaking amazing looking. And I got to do that, and I got to try to make you know exantic hypo tigers and all this kind of stuff this year, possibly. So that stuff's cool, but I'm I get more excited about like that. I had a clutch of a whole clutch of striped gelatins. I've held back striped ones. I bred them. I got a whole clutch of fully striped gelatin locality carpets. I think that's, I like that stuff. Yeah. So I think that stuff's neat. I'm going to, I'm excited this year for some normal poplin carpets. Like, like I have an exanthic granite male that would literally hump a piece of rope. Like the thing would breed a ham sandwich. There's another (laughs) t-shirt. It is the horniest snake I've ever seen. And I've had some great breeders over the years. This thing is. I've seen some horny snakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. unstoppable he is limited only in how many females do i have to throw at him he will do it he's a champion but i've got a couple of normal wild exceptional wild type females or captive bred but they're like exceptional snakes i'm breeding them to a normal ass male this year i'm not sure i can I think to him. make awesome looking guaranteed double heads whole clutches but i've got this like ridiculously reduced pattern it looks like a, it's my 100 percent ij jag it's a hundred percent IJJ. It looks, it's so reduced and awesome. And I'm breeding him. Just make some really high quality wild types. And see what pops out. I get, I get excited about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I, I do like that. It does limit the, um, 
like people with the the olives and the the mad hogs. It's like, do you want a boy or a girl? They all look the same. I don't need to take a ton of pick that boy or girl. That's these are your options. So, oh my god, like I yeah, with the water pythons this yeah. year, like talk about felt like a jackass. I'm making individual photographs of water pythons. Like <laughs> I did, I photographed every single one of them. And it just looks like 10 pictures of one snake. <laughs> I swear they're different. Like you can't, they're not bigger. They're not smaller. They don't come in light or dark. They are the same. <laughs> they are literally clones. You remember when I asked you for pictures of the parents of my water python and you told me to fuck <laughs> off? <laughs> what do you have? That bigger, okay? <laughs> You're like, they're the same. <laughs> I had like a, a run of bad luck. A tree, not this year was just, you know, not horrible, but, you know, I complained a lot. It wasn't terrible, but I had a couple of shitty years in a row of the year in 2021 and 2022 were kind of crap for various reasons. I had like a, uh, an overheating situation. And I lost a lot of snakes, kind of one of those mm-hmm. tragedies that happens to everybody that keeps a lot of reptiles eventually. And it, it happened yeah. to me. Uh, yeah. And I lost a bunch of babies and stuff. So I had a couple of bad years back to back, but uh, I don't know. Like this is now I've lost my whole train of thought. See what you did to me? That's okay. Yeah. No, that's yeah. great like, because we just got a great question oh, from good. Joshua. To, I got a question for Nick. And what subspecies of the Jaguar gene emerge? Are they originally northern Cheney or Southern McDowell Lion? That is almost impossible due to all the sort of nonsense and behind the scenes sort of horseshit with that morph. That's probably a pretty tough question to answer. Damn. Um, If I were to hesitate an educated guess, it would be like a northern coastal. But you're never, sometimes these mysteries you will never get absolute clarity on. And that's one that you're never going to get. Uh, There were so many lies about it at the outset and everything. And even, you know, knowing enough people and able to ferret out most of the real story behind things, it's not, there's just so much, with so much intentional misinformation that I don't think you're ever going to sort that out. That is one sort of uh, thing. The mingling of northern and southern coastals in the hobby is something you can't you can't fix. That it's just yeah. done. It's that goose is cooked. So it, unless it's a Brisbane coastal or a Rockhampton coastal, you're those are the only coastal phenotypes you're ever going to get that are pure. Everything else is always going to be probably mostly northern, you know, coastal Cheney blood with a pinch of southern stuff mixed in, and you can't fix it. Even I've had to give up on that one. It's just not, you know, you kind of end up with like, even as a the fanatical purist guy, it's like, well, do I now get rid of every single coastal carpet project I have, except for like three snakes? Or do I just accept that this is what's up and just keep going? And I, even I've decided <laughs> I, I can't, you can't write historical wrongs. Like I'm going to keep enjoying these things and there'll always be an asterisk by them. I, I it, I, the problem is, is that, and what you were talking about earlier is like, once that genie's out of bottle, it's like, you cannot get it back in. And to not even know that it was a thing before we even got there, it's like, yeah, of course no, nobody it, was going to keep track of it. No, because there was no reason to, because nobody had any reason to think, because it's a little surprising there's such a big genetic distinction between right. northern right. and southern, respectively. Hmm. Um the southern coastals are so genetically different; they should clearly be their own full species. They should just be Morelia McDowelli. Yeah. The level of genetic distinction between a true McDowelli and a Brettles python is the same as a Brettles python is to a diamond python. All three of those are equally distant from each other, but two of them are full species, and one is somehow a subspecies. 
it's that's stupid. Like they don't make no sense. <laughs> that don't make no goddamn sense. Well, it doesn't. But you know, <laughs> it's they're that they're that different. And if you keep them, and like I breed Brisbane's and you know and this other stuff, it's like they're a different snake. They're uh, no, yeah. You you got some. I, I I have I have this. This is the kind of shit where I get things that you produced, but I didn't pay you the money. So it's that's like, everybody, that's what everybody yeah. does. like I, so everybody I know does. Yeah. But at least okay. he admits it. I a hundred percent. Everybody I know just buys snakes I produced used. Yeah, I uh, I I got a <laughs> pair of Brisbane's, and I raised them up and I fed them. I fed this one like the male and that one like the female because that's what I told I had. And then the male laid eggs and I'm like, shit. So um, <laughs> I lost the female because it was far too small and all that other fun jazz. But now I got this male that is bigger than I would ever let any other male get. He's gorgeous. I have nothing for him to do. He is here <laughs> just hanging out, being a thing. And it, it, you... I was getting ready to take him and cross him with one of my other coastals, and then all the books and stuff came out. I'm like, well, I can't do that. That's sacrilege now. So he's Don't here. Um, I have a whole. I have a girl that I produced here that I'm raising up. Um, I love her. She's great because she's actually got the. Um, she's a full stripe, which is cool. Um, so, it, give me a couple of years. I'll I'll do them again. But yeah, I I have Brisbane's. Man, yeah, that's uh. Well, if you hatch a male that's got a dorsal stripe, let me know. I will. Um, I had, <laughs> it's one of those I, I have. A, I brought over from Paul that was like really red and striped from head to tail. That's what she stripe. is. Oh yeah, I got like one clutch out of him, and then he got the cancer and croaked on me. And I had two female sub adults that I was raising up that were partly striped that were his offspring, and I never got it across the finish line. It, so I've got. I have an adult female striped Brisbane right now that is just sitting here. I mean, I'll breed it, but it's not going to make. Well, it's one of those things where I have a lone adult male, and I'm like, I'll just keep you here. Nick will call for you at some point. Yeah. You know, he keeps keeps needing adult got, random ass males. I got right. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, people always want to like have these collections that are just all females all the time. It's like, yeah, you need a, <laughs> no. It's like you need a you need a good male. Like sometimes it's. Yeah, they don't live forever. They don't no. all breed well. Sometimes you get some that just. I've got a male Afors Brettles that I'm sure he's going to let me down again. Um, I lost my original male, but he was again like 17 years old. There's right. ridiculous. And the one I held back out of my very first clutch. So he was literally 11 years old before he saw a female for the first time. I've been. He was like the pick of the litter from the very first clutch ever produced in the United States with that lineage. And I was like, just like, he's like, just waiting there in case of an emergency. It's like, all right. Break glass. Yeah, yeah break, break glass. glass in case you're of an emergency. You've been training for your whole life. And the damn thing has just sat there and done jack shit. <laughs> this will be year three of him. I haven't paired him, so maybe this is the year he gets it on. But previous two attempts, he didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> I, had a, I have a Brisbane that was like the pick of the litter. Same thing. But because the genetic diversity is so low in them, I didn't want to breed the holdback one. I wanted to breed the old ones until they freaking died. Right. Because every filial generation you go, you get let in a closed sort of system, you get less and less diversity and higher rates of homozygosity. So the older they are in terms of generational time, the more likely they are to have a few alleles here or there that they don't all share. Right. And so I just bred them until they were still like gone. And then it was like, all right, you're up. 
You've been waiting for nine years. Nothing. You said, then I'm the next ready. year, <laughs> just, just at the plate swinging. Yeah, just 2023 like, <laughs> was the first year he actually did the last at the very end of the season. He put a heavy peak in one time. <laughs> I've seen that thing breed. Took a, I got a few babies, and I got like four eggs, four good eggs, and it's like 3.1. <laughs> so, well, at least he, he created some replacements for himself. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's something that rare. It's like, and they're also old. Like, God, I gotta like, come my on. Youngest, my youngest Brisbane is like nine or ten. Mm. Like, I've still got the two original females that are really old. They're like 16, 17 years old now. And I mean, they're healthy and they eat and all that, but they ain't gonna be breeding forever at that age. No, so yeah. I need to. Probably hold back the one female and a hold back a pair of the ones I just produced. Jesus, <laughs> and that's the fun of it all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can call it fun if you wanted to, I suppose. But <laughs> right on. People know like, this is like I think like for anybody that listens to these sorts of things, I don't know whether it's helpful or not, but it, I just kind of there's just so much that people just don't the behind the scenes stuff, which is all we're talking about today. It's like it's yeah. A, Oh yeah, this show has no plan. They don't see like the yes, I they see Nick has like a couple of Brisbane coastals produced. They don't see the tumors. They don't see the shitty eggs. The fact that only four eggs went the distance. They don't see all the crap that it took to get there. All the failed clutches and animals that never bred and all the stuff to get to this point. You just see this little tiny, this little bit of success over here. You don't see this mountain of horseshit you took Mm. to get to that point. Yeah. And it's no different for you. It's a bunch of shit, isn't there? There's a whole bunch of like Constant. nobody because nobody wants to broadcast the failures and the bad right. stuff. Like, oh man, it's like nobody's posting all stuff on their Instagram with some one-eyed carpet they just hatched or something. It's like, but we're all finally we've all, we've all hatched out it. one-eyed snakes, though, haven't we? It's like you don't, you don't, you know. It's, I, it's all dude, right. I, you have it. Like you know, I, I had an entire bank of cages spike and kill a, an entire group of carpets and stuff like that when i was first just kind of getting out and two actually like two of the animals in the stack were on breed loan and it's like you you have not experienced hell until you have to go back to the people who own the animal that fried at your place and be like hey um yeah so i've been there i've had that i've had animals on breeding loan die that's uh yeah it was it was a ball python at the time but it was at a point when like a like a big normal ball python female was actually pretty valuable. <laughs> like, that was like a thing. Man, if it could lay like eight eggs, that's like a lot of money. Holy shit, eight whole eggs! Like, yeah. <laughs> and I had a I had a single gene Mojave male, but that was when I was like a three thousand dollars snake. Yeah, bred yeah. it and everything, and then the female ovulated. It was so huge. So I'm calling the person that loaned it to me. I'm like, oh dude, she's ovulated so big. It looks like she swallowed a football. She's gonna lay so many eggs. I was like overjoyed, and like two days later, something stinks. Uh, and she had ovulated so large and released so many it was one of those animals that had been somebody's pet for years and years and years got really big but never bred and so when it finally bred it released a massive amount of ova had this massive ovulatory swelling and ruptured something internally and hemorrhaged and died i've seen that happen to me three times all three times was the same scenario once was an amazon tree bow once was a carpet once was that ball python all of them were Big giant females that had been somebody's pet for a million years. They were older, never seen a male, and then they just ovulated huge and croaked as a result. Presumably because they popped a gasket 
from all that from this Somewhere, massive yeah. swelling. And so, Jesus. yeah, but, but we don't post pictures of that. We don't talk no. about that. We just no. Because everybody lives in this fantasy land where everything goes perfectly all the time, and they're all just yeah. everyone will tell you all about their successes and never mention any of this other crap that happens to all of us. So anybody Indeed. listening, like if the hobby kicks you in the nuts and you have some tragedy before your clutches or your snakes, you are not alone, man. Kick nope. it in the nuts back. Yeah. yeah, take yeah. it <laughs> <right> back. <laughs> and whoever you think some super successful breeder is, it's happening to them right now. Too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You're going to get a bunch of clutches and some of them are going to be shit. Some of them are going to slug out. A female's going to retain some eggs, blow out an oviduct, a bunch of babies going to be deformed. The same story every year. It's like, yeah, it, I, it I, happens I, to all of us every I, year. I swear I will get Maclots pythons one of these days because I just keep hitting that wall where it's like first Maclots python female I had. Um, she laid a slug clutch, prolapse, died. And then the next one I got after that, cancer died. Next one I got after that, cancer died. Next one I got after that, died. It's like, and now I have, I think I have six Maclots pythons because I'm going to get it. So help me God, I'm going to get the clutch. <laughs> I so. like Maclots, but mine are a lunatics. They're yeah. absolute, like my female, I got her as a baby. She's 16 years old and she has been implicated in two murders. She killed, I straight up had to pull his lifeless body out of her car. She kill, killed uh, her longtime partner who she'd made many clutches with. And she killed him, and then I got a mail from you. Yep. And then I didn't see her kill him, but I strongly, she is strongly implicated in his demise. <laughs> I got a clutch. I got That's a clutch. Murder. I never saw him breed. They went in the hide together, and I'm not messing with him because she's nasty. And I never <laughs> saw him breed, but I got a clutch. But it was a weird clutch. It was like 13 females and no males, but they were all did great and eight. I don't know. And then the next year I put him in there, and then he was dead. And it was not obvious signs of her killing him, but I don't think it was a coincidence. I think she killed him. So I think I it sounds like there's a, you got a case on your hands. Now <laughs> I got another male. This turned into true crime. It's both, dude. Of males, both of the males that she seems to have killed were really mellow for Maclot. I've got a male. That was that, their first mistake. Exactly. And their last yeah. mistake. My old buddy Travis Johnson down in Tennessee, he had a lone male and no female, so he sent it to me. It's when Brandon Wheeler produced. Yeah, and it's yeah. fucking every bit as horrible as the female. The it's vicious so killer. Nasty. Oh my god, I, I had to clean a thing today right before we went on air, and it's this thing is just freaking flying out. It just it's horrible. It's so great. Make those babies. Yeah, just like <laughs> I don't know. Like I hope she doesn't kill him or they don't kill each other. But I'm gonna try one more time, and if she kills another male, I guess I'm gonna retire her. I I am. I sent my ring python that has two bodies on her over to Ryan, and I'm a little nervous. Because <laughs> like, Ryan and I had the conversation of everybody's cool if, you know, certain things, somebody kills somebody. Yeah, everybody's cool. But I'm like, I, I'd i feel bad if I killed Ryan's man. <laughs> if she murdered him. <laughs> if you had to rank all the pythons in the, who is most likely to die for no reason at all or kill each other? It's a ring python. It's... If you said which python is most likely to kill its intended mate, it would be the ring python. Yeah. Every fucking time. Yeah. And also, which snake, which species is most likely to drop dead for absolutely no obvious reason whatsoever? Ring it's python. It's also a ring python. Yeah. They're the kings of dying for no reason. Put they a ring on it. They reason to die. Like, they're, yeah, so, like, you loan that out. You better just plan on never seeing it again. I never want to see like her a, again. You need to accept that that's a realistic possibility. Yeah. It's like, you're hoping for the best. But that said, you know, 
I've known Ryan for 25 years, and I, he's got snakes of mine I've loaned him. I shoot quite a few. I should wonder where my damn Darwin babies are. I gave him like a three-time proven female because he had a male that was unrelated. And like and that was like three years ago. <laughs> what the hell? About that. <laughs> you have a pile of Darwins over at his place. You just haven't come and got him yet. You know, the, the point is like I've loaned Ryan. I trust him implicitly. If he tells me it shit the bed and died, then that's what happened. I don't have to worry about him. Not telling the truth. Oh, I don't Things care about that. Sometimes, sometimes they don't. But he could call me tomorrow and be like, "It burst into flames," it. and I'll be like, "Sounds right." But it's, I don't want to be like, "Dude, she ate my mail." Then I'll be like, "Fuck!" Like, no, I don't <laughs> want that to happen. So, oh my god, he's, he's got uh, he's got my uh, he's got a huge adult female apodora of mine. Yeah, it, yeah, that's huge. terrifying. It, it, yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah, it's, I think it's the one that tore his mail up and literally ripped it. Ripped, torn to shreds, like, <laughs> but but didn't that male like eat a week later? Like as it's like slowly yeah, trying no, to heal. Yeah, they're tough. Like they're snakes do great with traumatic injuries. They're they're yeah. They're, I, I don't know. Like it's like this is the cost of doing business. This is like you're breeding big, aggressive, cannibalistic snakes. What do you think is going to happen? Like it's not. Yeah, yeah. When you send something out on loan, you need to accept the risks and trust the person you're sending it to. That they know what they're doing because after that it's not in your hands anymore. And if I loan it, it it's one of those things where I I'm okay with never seeing it again. Like kissing like if because if I wasn't, it shouldn't fucking leave. Like it's like I I, I said a lot of stuff on breeding loan to Lucas yeah. and other friends of mine that I trust, but it's I I last, usually do one last way, week. <laughs> it's usually a one way ticket with exceptions. Like you're not keeping that Western blackhead. But you're not, not happening. If I loan something out, it's usually because I don't have anywhere to put it. I like I don't have enough space for adults, and I got some holdbacks need a cage. Like I just loan something out to make space, right? Yeah. But usually, it's like instead of like you give me half the babies and give me my snake back, it's like you give me half the babies this clutch, and you give me half the babies the second clutch, and you keep all the rest keep of the babies, thing. and the adults are yours. Yeah, so it's a yep. one way ticket. Like, yep, half of the clutch two times, the equivalent of one clutch, and the adults are all are yours forever. I've I've started doing that with certain things just because it's like I I would have to have I, I I need a building I need to move out of we need to move out of here and get me to a bigger place I got too many snakes too much stuff so. oh yeah you, you need to step up that's when you know you've achieved like the highest <laughs> level you've achieved the snake building like that that's the that's pinnacle that's the, that's the summit that's, that I've arrived <laughs> that is when that is when you've achieved evil big breeder status. <laughs> You know, at that point, when you have a snake building, that's when you can draw the ire of all the people out there that hate evil big breeders. You have officially transcended and become the evil big breeder at that point when you have a snake building. If I had the land, I'd have it now. <laughs> so I don't have the land either, but I got one. Like I'm like, yeah, I need this. This is the thing. You don't need land to build up. You, you Lucas, you have not True. seen my backyard. <laughs> like it is so. Yeah. Oh, well, at least you have a backyard. How many snakes do you think I? I'm in the same place, apartment? man. I'm in that slope. Is your backyard top. basically like a a, a gradual ski, cliff? That yeah. Yeah, it is a it is a ski resort. Yeah, so you can build on it, but the foundation work would have to be kind of like either on like <laughs> really solid, <laughs> drill down really strong, like really deep concrete piers to put it on or something. Or I have a snake building on stilts, like down the shore. Yeah, yeah, or digging down into the so it's like it'd be like a daylight basement sort of thing where like the first Ooh. 
The mm. first floor of it would literally be the one side would be totally underground, and the other side would be the other door. I like that yeah. snake building that gradually turns into nuclear fallout bunker. Now you don't yeah, want yeah, you know, two one, <laughs> but partly underground or completely underground, like basement type snake rooms mm-hmm. are the best because they're they are. So energy efficient because you get that it never gets super cold it never gets super warm it's more stable because all the earth around it so even if you're you know on that slope half in would give you some of that insulated properties of the ground and yeah then you go two stories you just got that but it would look like from your house it would look like a one-story building but actually be two because it drops off so much yeah then you got like a whole storage room yeah i'm just going to go out on a limb and assume you're like every single one of us that has like an absolutely absurd number of extra plastic tubs. Yes. Of a million different sizes. Like, yes. Like, it's like <laughs> a container store or something. 110%. Like, and I love it when I have the shit where I'm like, where does this bin go? What rack does this belong to? And it's. And isn't it amazing? Like, I probably have like 6,000 plastic tubs laying around, and I always find myself needing to go buy one. It's like, you know, one, it's like with the exact properties you think at some point. With a lid. It's like, yeah. It, even yeah. ones like I, I, I've started switching over my yearlings and stuff. I've, I've fallen in love with the Vision V18 tub. Mm-hmm. Like the four inch ones. Because I can yes. put like a 3D printed perch set up. You can keep it. It's good for like holdbacks and that kind of stuff. And so I've got like, I think I've got 110 or 120 slots for V18s. And I've got so flipping many of them. I must have 500 of those tubs. They're just. It's absolutely ridiculous how many X because I got the racks and I ordered like a whole bunch of V15s and a bunch of V18s. And then I bought a used rack and they had a full set of V18s and a full set of V15s for the same rack. So I just got like hundreds. <laughs> I could buy a giant vision rack and not need a single tub. I have more than enough tubs to fill a whole other a third rack. No problem. If we really kind of pushed for it. We could just have a stack of clean tubs so that when cleaning time comes around, you're just throwing <laughs> snakes in a clean tub and then just shove it in the door. But we don't ever do that. We just keep cleaning the tubs they're in and have our stack of storage bins. It's like, uh, yeah. Uh, so. I don't – I think things – I mean, these are those things that, like, people don't realize and they, they, they're kind of almost, like, too sanitary in some ways and that they – it's like your snake doesn't want it to smell like bleach in the cage. Right. Or cage. They want it to smell like them. They right. want it to be kind of gross. That's what they're comfortable with. So you can kind of overdo that and changing tubs into a sanitary tub every single time. It's like, good Lord. Like, where do you think these snakes live in the wild in some laboratory conditions? No. You think they live on some like, you know, sterile substrate in a living on a tree branch that's been baked to kill parasites. No, they're living in a dirty ass tree out in the wild under a loose piece of dirty ass bark crawling with cooties eating some scraggly ass lizard that's full of nematodes and they're doing fine it's like you don't need to it's another t-shirt ass, like, yeah what? it's another t-shirt, it's another t-shirt. Ba- just keep them going why are you baking your tree branches like if that's a thing that people do like i thought i was like how do you sterilize like I'm like what are you talking about how do you like, sterilize the wood i found outside what what like no like the wood outside must little... have crypto. I mean, that's that's where the crypto comes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, snake mites don't just naturally occur in the maple tree in your yard, right? Like that's not a thing. Like, uh, you know, it's like it's not how that yeah, works. <laughs> go a little far with that. Like, I'm not advocating keeping your snakes in gross conditions by any means, but some people get a little too obsessive. Get like, the you're pump. doing more harm than good. If there's, if you can smell a hint of bleach in your tub, your snake only has one functional lung and that probably isn't good no i mean that's a lot Uh, tend to have warnings on those bottles 
Yeah. 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 I couldn't do that anyway, because as you can see by my wallpaper behind me, I have a color-coded system of old-school labels, and I write them by hand. I don't print. I don't scan anything. I just, like, write. Every animal has a – every clutch has its own, like, color combination of labels with its – you know, so I can tell animals from the same clutch because I don't arrange them by – what they are i arrange them by how well they eat <laughs> well no and you're going through like if you had like there's 150 carpet pythons behind me and a few other odds and ends and mm -hmm. 2023 and if you were to arrange them by this clutch that clutch you'd be constantly having to hunt around for the ones that have never eaten and the ones that eat for sure right it's like the ones i know we're going to eat are here and they eat frozen and they're ready to go and the ones that they'll eat live but haven't eaten frozen the ones that are being a pain in the ass so when I got to sit there and try to do some extraordinary measures, all the pain in the ass ones are right there. Yeah. That's the well. corner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All those ones that you can see, there's like little white plastic credit card blanks that I use yeah. for shit scrapers sticking out. It's because there's rat pickies in there. Because I'm also desperate. I'm trying to feed them rat pickies. Like, just eat something. It's like, it's like, no, I didn't know. That's I keep track. Like it's that old school. Like I yeah. said, there's a piece of plastic in here. I know there's a, something in there. I need to make sure I don't leave it in there too long. I, I I have not found an app that like tracks feeding and stuff like that that I have liked. They oh, keep making them. And it's, and it, I like the idea of it, but it always ends up being more work. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, more work. Yes, yes. I got a label on there, and I just write. Oh, it ate an eleven five, a frozen mouse, and I <laughs> yeah. write it, and I'm done in five seconds. I don't have to scan it and then enter it into a computer. It's like, that's way more work. It's and, way more work. Write it down. And when you buy a snake from me, I just peel that freaking label off the tub and put it on the deli cup I shipped it in. Now you have it's a complete feeding record and attached to it and serial number and all that's right there. And then they'll still call you and ask for all yeah, of the I mean, information. I... <laughs> no, they will take that label off and immediately throw it in the garbage. Just throw it in the garbage and then ask me like, Spike yeah, it. I bought this snake from me like three years ago and... I realize how many times do they shed with you? information, but I would like to know what it was for no reason at all. Like, what was its temperament when you poked it in the face after it came out of the? Oh, what? No, it wasn't well. Uh, <laughs> like, it didn't like it. What's with that? Like, if anybody, I always, I mean, I shouldn't say these things. Like, I'm talking <laughs> bad about customers and whatnot, but like, I don't understand. Like, when someone asks you, and you've both had, I know you've both had this happen where you get like, "What's its birthday? Its birthday?" Like it's like, are you throwing it a party and gonna give it a little hat or a little kazoo thing or what? That's what Owen does. And uh, do small mustache. Like, There's a constant <laughs> birthday party going on what over at this house. Like, yeah, birthday. I don't. I mean, I could look it up, I suppose. But hey, we why? could all use a little extra reason to celebrate in this I world. I bought a lot of snakes, probably thousands <laughs> of them in my time in the hobby, and I've never once asked what its birthday was. I never. It seems like as I got more confident, I stopped asking. Like the questions got less and less, but yeah. now it's just like, is it eating? Cool, give like just give it I to me. I used to like keep, I keep really good records on things and like long term storage of like ancestry for like if you bought a snake for me nine years ago and you didn't even know what it was, but you had the year right, I could eventually figure out what I sold you, produce a picture of the exact animal or animals, and produce its ancestry just from you telling me I bought a snake for me nine years ago. I could figure it out. I would be pissed, but I could figure it out. It would take some work. I'm not going to be happy about it. <laughs> I'm going to keep really good records, but I used to keep like really like stupid records. Like I used to write down not just what it ate, when it ate, what it was, but I'd write down when it would shed, when it would shit. And like you realize things like, you know what? When am I ever needed to know when something shit? Like that is never, ever, 
I knew a guy, he's probably, I won't say his name because it's weird, but he's probably still in the hobby. And he would not only write down like when the snake would shit, he would write down whether it was a full bowel movement or just urate. I'm like, what is this information for? Who like, cares? When, at point are you ever going to need to know that about like, oh, it's shit like three weeks ago, but it was just urates. When is that ever <laughs> helpful? Why are you writing that down? When is writing down a shed ever mattered at all? Never. Never helped. This is a pre-ovulation shed or a post-ovulation shed. When does that ever matter? Those are the only sheds I track. Somebody somebody watched my animals for me when I was in Australia, and they hung the sheds in every cage so I could track with them. I don't give a damn. Throw them away. What you're saying is they left trash. Yes. (laughs) Now I've gotten it down to like just the records that actually matter. When did this thing eat and what did it eat? Like that matters, you know, if things go off feed or you you don't need to know that. But I mean, I don't. don't I've gotten to the point where it's like, if, if there's a baby here and they're rolling and they've been rolling for two months, like I, I've stopped tracking some of the 2023 babies because they feed, they mm-hmm. eat every single freaking time, and it's like, yeah. all right. Yeah. Look at the like the lab, the labels behind me, about two inches by three inches. And I can write a lot of dates on that because it's really right. small. Uh, I keep writing on every meal until I run out of space. Exactly. The and then, label is full. I, at this point, like you've eaten like 49 times. Like I'm not. I don't if need- you're still here, I'm not writing it down at that point. And if you skip one, it's not the end of the world. Okay, yeah, fine, whatever. You know, next, <laughs> if an animal like at that point when I'm no longer writing on every meal because it's eaten so many times, if something skips something and there's no obvious reason, like it wasn't in shed obviously, and it just skipped a meal for no reason, I'll like put a piece of a post-it note on its tub or whatever, just something to note that it skipped a meal. And then when I go around the next time, if it skips the next one, then I'll, you know pull it off my website or whatever just is you know usually always get their shit together eventually but i don't want to sell something to somebody is off feed for no apparent reason right I, I do keep track in that way but it's like i just the presumption that you ate unless i'll denote if you didn't instead of writing it down every time right yeah well yeah. this is the two hour mark and this yeah, is less than mark what was carpets the, and coffee is a two hour show yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> two hour show carpets and coffee yeah, it's not the not the old old four hour NPR episodes that they used to have. So. Well, I think that it's always the same when you get like old school herpers from way back. You just can shoot. It's just so so relaxed, and you're just shooting the shit. You just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the whole point of the show. It's not always the same, Nick. There's no other you. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> One not is at probably all. enough. I would I'd venture to. And one is probably too much for a good. (laughs) Well, that may be true, but I know Owen and I love you and we greatly appreciate you being here today. Is there anything you want the people to know? Uh, Buy more snakes of mine. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, I'm sick of feeding all these guys. Excellent. Inlandreptile.com. Like, don't, you know, don't worry about me. I've got plenty more. I'll make more. Don't I got plenty for myself. So don't hold back. It's okay. I'll I'm not right. even I'm not even going to plug any of my babies right now. Go go buy Nick snakes. He needs your help more than I do right? making them go away. <laughs> like, oh, man, like, I, I must have like 50 snakes I haven't even photographed. <laughs> like, even that like think about the time like to get good quality photographs of like 50 squirmy little worms. It's like oh, that took me all day yesterday. Or this ridiculous. Weekend. And I've yeah. got like probably 15 or 20 anteresia from 2023 i need a photograph i've got 
I've got 2022 Antaresia that are eating fuzzies that I've never photographed and put on my website because they're, I've tried, but they like, they just, you ever tried to, to photograph baby Antaresia? They're the nope. freaking worst. They don't, it's always a, a body with a blurry head every time. They never stop or they, or it's those in Amazon tree boas. The body's always in focus and the head's always like at some goofy angle. They never will just sit there for even a second. It's so frustrating. <coughs> and I know a lot of tricks for this. And it's just, I just get, give up in frustration. I just go till I give up in frustration and disgust. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, at least there's coffee, right? Right. And right? Let's, we'll, we'll plug that. It's a uh, cold-blooded <laughs> cafe, cold cafe uh, to get the NPR Carpets and Coffee blend. Um, and you can also put in the code NPR10. Uh, and they have a bunch of different flavors, a bunch of new stuff like that. So check them out. Also, cold-blooded cafe, uh, cafe which is the... Uh, frozen road and distributor and if you put mpr 10 you get 10 percent off your entire order that's free so, shipping baby yep and then go check that and it can be added to any deal that they're running so if they're running a deal for 40 percent off you can add the mpr 10 to take off another 10 percent. i need to so. get on some of those like quail frozen quail eggs mm. like that stay tuned i need to get i need to talk to him about that that sounds like something i need yeah, that's that's a fun one. So I'll take six hundred. I could use them right now. Like I could use them today. That would be. I got a bunch of these picky bastards behind me. And, uh, I think I only have like twenty seven non eaters left for the year. Like, Jesus, I'm I'm I have two. <laughs> so it's uh, two two oh. one one rough scale, and then uh, um, who's not doing like is not eating consistently, and then one is the. Uh, exantic caramel jaguar I produced, and of course it's the only one out of the clutch, and he's just being yeah. a dick. <laughs> so I, the last jag I produced was an exantic caramel jag, and I told myself no more jags. I'm not keeping any more jags. And then I hatch them like, oh my god, it's so beautiful, I can't sell this. <laughs> I have an adult, I have an adult female exantic caramel jag for literally no reason. <laughs> uh, it was just like it was so cool looking. It was like well, you know. It's like grayish pink. Oh yeah, he's he's gorgeous. Gray with like a pinkish hue to it. It was awesome. I'm like, I'm like, I just couldn't bear to sell it. It's never even been wobbly or anything. It's like I'm just like, I don't even know why I have it. I have no idea what to do with it. Perfect. I I, I don't even know what I'm doing with him, but we'll figure it out when he gets older. But speaking of non feeders. I am currently not feeding, and I okay. need to cook some chicken. <laughs> so, <all right. laughs> so that's all we have for everybody today. Um, Mondays are now going to be carpets and coffee days because yes. Lucas has a life and is young, and you know all that other stuff that we were doing. We we're being very mean and taking him away on Fridays. So that's <laughs> it. Uh, we're also going to be doing Morelli Python Radio this week. Is the calendar competition? So tune in for that tomorrow. Uh, if you want a third show for the week, bite me. That's not going to happen. So, um, and that's it. So thanks, everybody. We'll catch you all later. Lucas, hit the button. I'm hitting the button. Thank you. Bye. Bye.